And we are live here at the station of decapitation without your head. I'm Nasty Neal. That would make me terrible, Troy. And we are joined by Jeremy Holm returning to the show. He's got a lot of Excellent. cool stuff out. Brooklyn 45 is playing on Shutter. We're going to talk about Black Mold is playing at festivals right now. It's very cool to have you back. Hey, gents. How are you, man? It's been a while. It's yeah. been a few years, right? Yeah, yeah. We weren't even video back then. Yeah. We didn't want anyone to see us. <laughs> well, you're even more handsome than I had imagined oh, would be. I appreciate that. My um, favorite guest the, ever. Yeah, exactly. You, Golden guest. You have the benefit of having seen me um, in all various states, and I've never seen you, so it's a, it's a pleasure to see you. I was just commenting on your beautiful pride hats, pride mm -hmm. month. Oh, it's I a wonderful that. thing. Listen, let's include everybody. Just be yourself, whoever you are. That's okay, right? We don't need to cut people out for no reason. Yep. Everybody's good, right? I agree 100%. Pride yeah. sounds great to me. Yeah, had a yeah. good time. It, uh, everyone has one wherever you are. I'm sure there's some around you somewhere. I went to the one in Boston. And usually, I go every year, usually there's someone or people out there uh, boycotting it for some reason. There wasn't anyone there this year doing oh, that, that's which good, I was yeah. happy to see. Yeah, they're busy doing something else. Who knows what they're doing? But <laughs> we we were glad when they're not there, right? Exactly, exactly. Yeah, I love the panic Exactly. I love the panic oh. fest shirt. I, oh, I, 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 good I was, how good is this shirt? That's an awesome And I don't shirt. know if you guys have seen. Have you seen next year's graphics? No. Mm. Oh, they're so good. I, 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 I want a shirt right now. They're so good. And I don't know if you guys have ever been to Panic Fest, but the theater is beautiful, big, comfortable seats. There's a great, great kitchen out front where you can get whatever you want to eat. There's a great beer selection, comfortable chairs. But the best thing about it is the people, the ethos. It's just such a cool festival, man. I Nice. I had a blast there. I can't wait to get back. Yeah, that's the thing, though. Now you have to, like, oh, I have to make another movie so I can, so I can <laughs> go next year and get the cool new shirt. Good incentive. I like that. <laughs> right, right. Well, it so happens that I did a movie called Herd in Missouri, which is not – there's not any press about it yet because it's still – you know, deals are being done and made and stuff, but I'm hoping it'll play at Panic Fest next year because it was made in Missouri, uh, in southern Missouri, um, and it's all, I mean, it's a really cool, cool story. Um, Corbin Burnson is in it. Oh, uh, sweet. Yeah, man, it's it's a really cool movie, and I can't wait. Framework Productions, Stephen Pierce, and uh they all made it and i'm just i'm so proud of it um but i'm not here to talk about that that's a tangent uh <laughs> no it's all right we'll talk about oh, everything. yeah uh, yeah it was on your mind yeah well along those lines though um before you did the ranger did you do like many like horror things no and here's i want actually wanted to say i was thinking about this today the ranger was my first foray into the horror genre and it happened because I had worked with Jaco Farina, who was one of the writers of the Ranger. And he, he, as he was writing it, like, you know, I was in his head. My voice was in his head. And so he called me, sent me the script. I loved it. I did it. I had no idea I would fall in love with the genre tribe. And now I feel like I'm a member. Now I've done like <laughs> six horror movies and hundreds of interviews. And I've been to quite a few festivals. And 
I always tell people that haven't done genre stuff. I'm like, you know, the people who love these movies and who make these movies are the best people. They're the most forgiving people, the most open people, the most fearless people. And being on a horror set is, is none of the ego and none of the um, pressure. It's all like doing excellent work and having fun. And that's, who doesn't want that, right? Yeah. Can't yeah, beat yeah. that. Yeah, and yeah. I see you working on a lot of stuff, and with uh, and I always think it's cool because I have a lot of friends in the horror, uh, independent horror, especially, and they not like uh, not a clique like you know like in high school, but you know that you find people that you like to to work with, and then you you know you stick together. Yeah, like what can we do? Let's what's fun? What's interesting? Because that's the thing that drives it. What is interesting? It's not what makes the most money. What can we sell the most? Though there are people who just do that. Um, it's what is the most interesting. And so both of these films, uh, Black Mold and Brooklyn 45, are super interesting, super different films, um, and all driven by people who just want to do something really well and really interesting, you know? Yeah, and Brooklyn 45 really mixes a lot of genres. So I'm a, a big part of the movie feels like a, like a whodunit kind of mystery. Yeah. Who, who you know, then it's got that. horror, and then it's also like a lot of social commentary, which I, I like that it, that it's got so many different genres mixed together. That's what I like about festival films is it's a lot of times it's a movie that doesn't really fit in to just one particular genre. Yeah, you, you know, people who make these films are not beholden to an archetype or meeting a market trend. They're making a movie that they love and they know how they want to make it. And with uh, Robert Patrick Stern, who shot actually both of these movies, and Ted Gagan and John Pata, who were the writer directors of, of them, they all had, you know, visions that they followed. And the visions were clear. And it was, you know, and because of the set on Brooklyn 45, it was really easy for the actors for those of us in the cast with whatever, you know, meager talent we could summon to the, to the cause. Um, it was pretty easy to follow the, the lead there. Um, watching the, well, first of all, when you saw the script, what interested you? When I read uh, Archie, Ted called me. He said, would you be willing to read a script? I said, of course because he had had dinner with Jen Wexler who directed and wrote the Ranger with Jaco. And, uh, I read it and I called him back immediately. And I said, I want to do it because I saw it's a hugely challenging part. Um, it's, it's deeply emotional. The stakes are really high. I've never played a character like that before. And I thought who during COVID is going to produce a movie with six people in a room talking. Well, whoever's doing that, I want to be in it. You know, and in my theater career, I played a lot of, you know, I played John Proctor in The Crucible, which is, a, you know, uh, Arthur Miller, one of his most difficult roles. And I played Biff in, Biff in Death of the Salesman. And, you know, I played Mark Antony in, in Julius nice. Caesar. I played a lot of hard-hitting word heavy emotional roles but this was different than anything i'd ever seen and i just i knew i had to do it and uh and thankfully ted was into that and so you know he hired me and we did it and by the way i've never said this out loud and he told me to never tell anyone this they'd already cast everyone else and the budget was already spent 
And he said, look, we can't afford to fly you out, but I'll fly you out myself. So he actually paid for my airfare to Chicago because I live in Vermont. He paid for my airfare to Chicago to do that part, which is just so cool. I feel like I need to, you know, write him a check someday. Yeah. I uh, so I had Ted on a couple weeks ago. Well, we recorded a couple weeks ago. We put out last week. And uh, I mentioned that uh, this before I knew you come back on the show that I thought you were cast perfectly because you really look you look like a classic leading man of that era, I think. And so, like, it yep. fits perfectly. And then your character kind of, you know, is against type at the same time. So I thought it was a, it was a really good casting choice. Yeah. Thank you, man. I'm I'm glad to live up to that. And I just I just wanted to make Ted happy. You know, he wrote this film with his father. And I'm sure you know the story that the day they finished the script and his father said, hey, no, it's done. We don't need to do any more work. His father passed away that day. And so, you know, I knew this story. Ted told me this story and I knew it before we started shooting. So, you know, these things we do are forever. You know, this film will be somewhere playing. Hopefully when I'm long gone, maybe my girls who are up there in my house right now are you know, maybe they'll watch it someday and they'll giggle and laugh and maybe they'll learn something. And You know, these films are part of our legacy. And I knew that when I was shooting it and I wanted to make sure that I did um, Ted and his father justice. I hope I did. Yeah, definitely. Oh, yeah. I thought it was great. And uh, yeah. you mentioned theater background. And when I watch it the first time I wrote in my notes, it felt it feels like a theater play because it's primarily one location very dialogue heavy, you know, and it's, you know, a small group, they're all together and it's a kind of theatrical feel to it. Yeah. And you know, the, the thing about it that makes it that way is the set and the set was, was designed by Sarah Sharp and she also helped build it. Um, this is this woman, no, nobody knows about her. Not a lot of people know about her, but she's um, a producer. She's also a special effects makeup artist she's a set designer a set dresser uh she's a she does like paperwork negotiations contract like there's nothing she can't do um and if you watch black mold there's some special effects and there's some i i'm wearing a lot of prosthetics and a lot of stuff she did she did a lot of the the makeup stuff that's that you see not all of it but she did she did the beard that i'm wearing and uh, you know she did the set in, in, in Brooklyn 45 with, with help from her team, but what a great leader. And I, I call her a polymath. Like she, she's one of these polymaths that not a lot of people talk about. She's incredible. Yeah. The, the room looks awesome. And you know, yeah, that set's amazing. Yeah. It's amazing. And all, like, um, they have Yank magazine, which was, you know, a, an American <laughs> Patriot magazine. And it's from the month and the year that the, film takes place in and the typewriter is a typewriter that would have been in Brooklyn and all of the books and all of the pictures are from uh, uh, vets that are relatives of people in the cast. Ted's Ted's grandfather is, you know, in one of the shots and oh, wow. all of that stuff. And I, I actually used to live in um, what they now call the South slope in Brooklyn. Back then it was sunset park, but I lived in a, in a in a brownstone exact with that exact same setup you walk in the front oh. door and you walk down and you turn right and you walk into a big room and there's a fireplace 
the fireplace is exactly where the fireplace was in the room I lived in. And my bed was just on the other side and there was a bay window and it was exactly the same. I could not believe it when I walked in there. I was like, yeah, I've been here. This is, this is Brooklyn Brownstone. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, and the dialogue. So um, when you're doing the dialogue, you, you know, you, you want to use it for the time, but they also don't go overboard with like a lot of lingo or any kind of corny, uh, uh, you know, dialect or like a kind of like a, you know, like you're not going to sound like from someone from the radio, you know what I mean? Which I, which I appreciated. But uh, so what kind of direction did you get for that? Just like how, how to perform it? Well, you know, when I read it, I, I actually had, I, I read a book of letters. There was a woman, there were a lot of people in the United States, women especially, who wrote letters to the boys overseas because there was no cell phone, there was no internet. So these guys are in another part of the world from Tennessee, from Indiana, from Nebraska, from Ohio, from California. And then suddenly they're in Italy or they're in Germany or they're in, you know, the South China Sea somewhere. And they did miss home. And so they had a lot of volunteers, mostly women, writing letters to these to these servicemen to, you know, keep them inspired and, and keep them hoping for something and. And, and, you know, there aren't any women over there. So to have these letters was like their only connection. And so I read a lot of these letters. There's a book of them by this woman who actually lived in New York. And she, she wrote a lot of letters. And somehow she got a lot of the letters she sent or sent back to her after they were read. So she has the replies, but she also had her letters that she sent. So I read all these letters and you could really piece together the kind of relationships that and she led them on a little bit because she knew that was what was going to give them some hope. Yep. Right. So you heard you heard the kind of words that were actually being used back then, not in a script, but in actual, you know, correspondence. And so I think I argued for a couple of line changes, not a lot, maybe two or three word changes. Um, but Ted's father, I think was key in having the, the ranks appropriate and the places appropriate. Um, so when it came to direction, Ted, his, the biggest thing that he did was he had the entire thing blocked out every move we made, every, where we crossed every, because he had to have every shot planned out because we were in a small room with five people and then six um, when, when our friend, um, Miss Klebe enters. So it was all planned out. And that was the biggest thing he did direction wise, other than writing it, you know, like all the directions really in the writing. Yeah. Uh, when I had Ted on, he said about, uh, sort of like you were talking about earlier, pride month and you're including everybody. And it's not, it's important him to not only have, uh, lgbtq uh characters but also make them like real people where uh so it's not like their whole character and also he said not to make them golden gods where they're, they're still flawed people because they just right. happen to be happens to be gay or bi or whatever and right. uh so i thought that was really interesting the way he said that yeah well you know if if you're really a student of history and it may come as a shock to a lot of people in the in america but you know gay people have always been part of humanity and they always will be and uh you don't have to tell a story 
because there are gay people in it. But if you're telling a story, there might be gay people in it. And I think this is an example of that. And it doesn't have to be the main thrust of the story, but it is a piece of the fabric and it's important. And, you know, I, I have more than a couple, you know, uh, gay uh, queer folks in my family. And when they first came out, especially, you know, my, my, uh, my stepbrother, when he came out, it was a huge uh, uh, source of strife within the family. And God loved my dad. My dad said, don't worry. All we have to do is love them and everyone else will come along. And sure enough, that's what happened. Well, I think as a, as a society, we need, just need to do the same thing. Just love them. And eventually everybody will realize, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't, it's not going to harm you. People think yeah, it's going right. to harm them. It's not going to harm you. Don't worry it about even it. Affect if someone you, wants yeah. to, yeah, you exactly. know, if someone's gay, they're no harm to you. No more than I or you, you know, it's not going to harm you. They're just afraid of it for some crazy reason. Like, you know, it's just crazy. I don't know. Yeah. I, I mean, I grew up, uh, Troy and I were brothers. We grew up on uh, Cape Cod. So like, it was Wait, very you guys are brothers? Here. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, cool. Neil's my baby, bro. Oh, that's so fun! I'm glad you get you guys get to do this together. That's so cool. Yeah, it's very fun. Yeah, and uh, and our mom got us into horror movies. Uh, yeah, horror movies. she so did. Yeah. Yeah. What was the first horror movie that she that you watched together, the three of you? The first one I remember wow. because so okay. Troy's nine years older, so uh, single mom, so she would take Troy to the drive-in with his friends, and so instead of like getting a babysitter, she would just take me along. And so yeah, I, like, I had the or... option. It's like, would you rather stay home with, with Neil and change diapers or <laughs> do you want to take him along? And I'm like, ah, I think we can sneak him in the car. Yeah. So the first I remember, and I was honestly four or five probably, is Night is a Night of Living Dead. Yeah. And, <laughs> and I remember getting upset when the, the truck, blow, the pickup blows up and they start, and the zombies start eating the guys. And, my, and my, our mom told me, don't worry, they're just having a barbecue. And I was like, oh, okay. And, yeah, uh, they were completely <laughs> calm after that. He was like, oh, all right, I mean, that's yeah. cool. Then. And you I know? turned yeah. out totally fine. So. <laughs> so funny. You know, my girls are 10 and 12. And I'm, I am I'm think I'm going to let them watch Brooklyn 45. Not the Ranger, not yet, but at right. some point I'll let them watch it. But they're like, they've seen Stranger Things. So, and they're fine with it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's pretty. Yeah, that's probably more. And Brooklyn Forty Five. Um, there's like some effects and stuff, but yeah, I think it would be fine for for most people. Yeah, you're that age. Yeah, and there's yeah. a lot of like I said, social commentary in the movie, which is interesting. And that's right. another thing when you uh, talked about things being around forever. I think it's funny that a lot of people on social media will get mad if there's social commentary in like a a current horror movie or science fiction show, yeah. and they'll argue. I've had arguments and uh, for. Specifics. They said like the new Twilight Zone. It's got too much social commentary. And I was like, "Have you ever watched the original Twilight <laughs> yeah. Zone?" Like, oh yeah, Serling lived for that <laughs> stuff, you know. Yeah. yeah, I mean that's what it was all about for him. He wanted, and that's the thing that horror has always done. Mm-hmm. You know, the first, the first African American lead in a movie was a horror movie. Horror has always been on the forefront of everything. And so for someone to say, don't put social commentary in it, I think that's more a reflection of the time we're in now, mm. you know, um, and fear. It, it, horror has always been on the forefront of any social change. 
because that's what art does. Art is on the forefront. Yeah, and uh, Night Living Dead. I think part of the reason that's so strong is they sort of like you're saying about your characters. They don't bring attention really that the character is black. He just happens to be black. Yeah, and I think it doesn't date the movie that way either. Now, if they spent the whole movie talking about it, you'd say, "Oh, this is a movie from that certain time where it was." It was pretty brilliant, and that actor. He, I mean, he's very good. Yeah. Very good. So yeah, great. Whoever, the, the, the choices there were brilliant. I don't know. Yeah, the story know. is that they picked him literally because he was the best actor of, of the group. So there you go. should always yeah. be, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a yep. good story in itself, right? Yep. yep. Now, had you worked with Ted at all before? Had you known him? I met him after the Ranger. I think I met him. We, we did a... Um, a screening at IFC in New York City, and I think I met him at the bar afterwards. We had a nice conversation. You know, oh. Ted's a publicist, so he knows everybody, and he was friends with Jen. And I think I met him, and I met Larry then, which I was a little nervous to meet Larry. Like, Larry is a legend. Larry Fessenden, we're talking yeah. about. He's yeah. a legend, and I was pretty nervous to meet him. And I'm, it's kind of funny when I think back because now Larry and I are, are pretty good. I like, I'm still really reverent of him, but we're, we're friends now. And he's just, he's such a good dude. And he's so smart, man. He's an American oh. legend. He's an icon. Yeah. He's kind of really. spooky sometimes with like knowledge. It's yeah. Just I like, didn't whoa. even, I, I, in a weird way, cause I've never met him in person, but even we had him on actually probably around the same time we had you on. And, um, I think so. The first time. And yeah. I didn't know what to expect, honestly, because he, he's kind hey, of a, yeah. like a mystical character. We were a little exactly. intimidated, too. You know? Yeah. And not just about horror, any movie. any movie. When we were doing Brooklyn 45, I think I watched six movies he recommended that I'd never seen. Oh, wow. None of them were horror movies. And um, they were all really, like, you know, amazing, amazing yeah. films. Um, you guys know about Blackout, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm really excited about this. Such so for people script. who don't know, it's uh, Larry's uh, new uh, werewolf movie, which also has uh, Jeremy. Oh, awesome. yeah, I just I, I just have a little like uh, cameo role. Um, Larry has lots of little diamonds put in that movie. You know, um, he's he's it's a really brilliant script. I begged him. I'm like, come on, give me this role, give me that role, which which for obvious reasons i couldn't play because i'm not the right person for it but god such a good script and i can't wait to see it it's going to be at fantasia fest so i can't wait to go up oh, there nice. yeah and I live, vermont, yeah. I live in vermont i live right here oh, you know nice. like, with that oh, very nice i live two hours from fantasia fest so i cannot wait to get up there yeah i've never been to it i've always wanted to go maybe i'll go this year or the super year. fun yeah. Is that the it's Canadian fun. festival? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's in Montreal. Great food, oh, great people. Yeah, can't go wrong that. Yeah. Poutine really all around. Yeah. Get some <laughs> cheese and fries, right? Oh, can't go wrong. Yeah. <laughs> My very, wife's very healthy. It. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Heart attack on a plate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh when you when you first saw Brooklyn forty five with an audience, what was that like? Or did you see it with an audience? Oh, I did. No, I, he, he offered once, he asked once if I, and I said, no, I want to see it with an audience. And so the first time I saw it with an audience was terrifying because, you know, when we shot it, I really, I really was thinking, 
And I said this to Ann Ramsey. I said, Ann, we're, we're making a movie in, you know, 2021, whatever that was. And it's people talking in a room for an hour and 29 minutes. And she said, I know, I know. And so I didn't, I felt like it would hold. I hoped it would hold. I hadn't seen any of the effects. Um, and I've now seen it, I think four times. Nice. And it's very consistent. People respond at the same places every time and it's, People love it, and I'm really proud of it. Oh, that's great. Yeah. yeah. Um, by the uh, Annabelle, who can't be here tonight, but she did say Dwayne Jones is the name of the actor from Night of Living Dead. Oh, okay. oh thank you. Well, here's to Dwayne Jones, man. A trendsetter. <laughs> yep. Oh, yeah. A, a change yeah. maker. That's beautiful. And he must yes. have been pretty courageous to do that at that time because you know people didn't like it yeah especially you seen when he slaps a white woman is yeah um what were the movies that larry recommended oh god i knew you were gonna ask this (laughs) when i said it and i was like oh oh um there was one orson welles movie um and I'm not going to remember any of them right now, though I did watch them all and I have images from them. Um, and they were all really good. My wife just got home. Um, oh, God, I'm getting an F from Larry right now. Well, the, I've never seen The Birds. So I, oh, The really? Birds is okay. one of them, which is, God, it's such a great movie. Um, another one was about a woman who faked her own death. And and the husband was going crazy trying to figure it out. And it was like it was like all the movies were older movies, like okay. like 50s, 60s movies, every one of them. And then he let me screen his movie, The Fever, which was a movie he shot during COVID with his family. OK, oh, yeah, I haven't seen this one yet. Oh, brilliant. So good. Yeah. I really liked uh, Depraved that he made a, a oh, few yeah. years ago, his uh, uh, yeah. modern day Frankenstein. Yeah, we screen that. We do a little festival here where I live in in Virgins, and we screen that, and people loved it up here. Oh yeah, um, and Larry actually movie. came up and spoke to the audience. Really cool. Oh sweet. Yeah, yeah if I... you haven't seen Stakeland or Depraved, see those before you see Blackout because it's a triptych. It's really cool. Oh, awesome, awesome. Yeah. So, uh, Black Mold is all, uh, which you were in the Panic Fest shirt that premiered at uh, that was premiere right at Panic Fest. It was, but also also Brooklyn Forty Five played there, so it's oh really you know, oh, you're, yeah you were living oh, large in the double Brooklyn Forty Five one night Black Mold the next it was crazy oh, that's too cool yeah that'll never happen again that was like one of the lifetime <laughs> I was just saying now so you're fun. gonna do three at the next one uh, yeah you <laughs> set the bar pretty high for next time yeah that's I don't know Man. if that's ever gonna happen again yeah, pretty special mo- as you mentioned a much different look in Black Mold. Yeah, Black Mold, I play a character called The Man, and then they changed it to The Man Upstairs because The Man is upstairs that I play. And um, I don't want to spoil it, but I'm allowed to tell you that I'm wearing a lot of stuff and I don't look like I look like right now. And um, it's a psychological, uh, it's another psychological thriller. Agnes Albright is brilliant in it. I love her. She's an amazing actress. A beautiful human being and she plays a photographer uh grad student um with andrew bales 
um, who is this is his first film and he's so good at really? it. Oh, I'm surprised because he is very good. Yeah. Yeah, he's a theater actor from Chicago, and uh, he just he he just he figured it out. He knew how to do it, and uh, so they they like to photograph these old buildings. And as the movie builds, and by the way, the first shot in that movie is is like when you watch the shot, you just don't know how they could do it. Like, how did you do this shot? It's incredible, especially knowing it's not a six million dollar movie. They do this shot. I don't want to say any more about it, but when you watch the movie, that opening shot is really special. Uh, people are going to be talking about that shot for a long time. Really cool. Um but, but these two photographers are taking pictures of a lot of old, dilapidated buildings, and they come upon one building that maybe is more than they bargained for, and there's stuff going on in there that, that um, digs up a lot of pain. Yeah, it's another really interesting, different uh, movie. Um, it keeps you guessing what exactly is real, what isn't, while you're watching the movie, which I like. And... Uh, uh, I just uh, earlier set up uh, next month in July, we're going to have Agnes and Andrew on the show. Oh, you so are? Good, yeah. good, good, good. Oh, great people. Great people. I've done, um, can I say this? I think I can say this. I've now done two movies with Agnes. Oh, sweet. And the next one will be out at Christmas time, and both of us play completely different characters. I think that's all I can say at this moment about that. But she's great. And, uh, I, I I can't wait to see where this movie lands. Uh, right now, there are deals being made, but it's going to be it's going to be at a lot of festivals. So look for festivals near you. Um, uh, and you know, I, we're trying to get it at the Middlebury New Filmmakers Festival, which is a festival by me, a great festival, and we're trying to get it nice. up here. And so, normally, when I ask about the importance of festivals, it's uh, for filmmakers. But what what are your what are the importance for uh, festival from your perspective as an actor? Well, you know it's always great to meet people, and you can watch a movie, and then meet them and talk to them, and you can get a better sense of who they are and what their motivation is and what their you know what their loves are aren't, and um, you know when you do that, um, then you know if maybe maybe you have something in common, something you want to work on. Also, you kind of festivals show you the things that, that you won't see in the mainstream that are really interesting, you know? So, so I'd say the networking and then what's cutting edge. You're not going to see it on TV or, you know, most streamers, what's cutting edge. No, you're going to see it at festivals. Yeah. That's what I tell her. Um, Cause it, you know, then maybe like a year or so later I'll see some stuff, but it is, it's both cool and sometimes disheartening if I see something really wild and then it never goes anywhere again. It's like, oh, I got to see it, yeah. but it's too bad. Like it didn't, you know. Oh, yeah. Then I'm always looking for it because Neil will be like, oh, you got to check this this flick out. Yeah. And then for a year, I'm looking for it and never find it. And, you know, the thing is, Troy, they're they're working. They want it to happen. But, oh, yeah. you know, sometimes the people that make the decisions have a different. I don't know, a different ruler they're using and they just don't see it for some reason. And, yep. you know, but if you're at the festival and you're with the audience, mm. you know it, you feel it, you can, you can, you're in the room and you know, it's good and you know, it's interesting and new. Um, and if you're not in the room, maybe you don't have the ability to see that. And that's, the, you know, one of the problems right. if people don't go to the festivals. Yeah. 
Yeah, like, seeing anything with an audience is always so cool. Yeah. And if you're a decision maker, you know, you can go to South by and you can go to Sundance and you can go to Tribeca and those are the big ones. Right. But not all the movies get into those festivals. Right. So if you're a really smart decision maker, you'll go to some of these other festivals because you're going to see stuff you won't see because the gatekeepers aren't there. And you might see something really, really oh, interesting yeah. and really cool. And for the most part, those other ones, you not always, but you kind of have to know someone to get into a lot of those. So like you said, something really cool, interesting, cutting edge that's by someone who no one knows yet is oh, probably yeah. not going to get into one of those, but it might get into uh, uh, one of these other festivals. Right, right. You know, I've been at Tribeca once with uh, Mr. Robot did a big thing there when I was on Mr. Robot. And, you know, obviously that was Sam's big coming out party and he deserved to be there because what he does is so like rigorous and fascinating and has an artistic point of view, you know, but that same, that same spirit, you really find at a lot of these smaller uh, festivals all around the country. And there are a lot of them and they're all really interesting. Um, Annabelle says, uh, she may have missed this earlier, but when will we be able to see black mold? But, uh, right now it's just festivals. I, I don't think there's a distribution. Yeah, it's festivals. And I actually talked to John earlier today and John was very cryptic and obviously he knows things that he's not allowed to tell me, but festivals, that's the watchword right now. Festivals. It's going to land somewhere really cool. Um, and Raven Banner has it and Raven Banner also had Brooklyn 45 along with shutter so it'll it'll end up somewhere really cool yeah and raven banner uh because we do a lot of stuff with them on the show and um i won't name other names but there's there are some distribution companies that will put out like just everything and some not necessarily the greatest stuff but raven banner even if it might not be something i like it's always something interesting and i think they you know they actually care about what the what movies are going to put out they do care and i actually know all of each of those gentlemen and they're they're principled, really smart um, people. And all of them come actually from the film biz, like they were filmmakers or oh, okay. cinematographers or editors or special effects people. So they really appreciate film. And you're right. They care about it. And they're not just pumping out stuff. They really aren't. Right. They, they want to have, you know, they want the content to be really good. Yeah, that's uh, great to hear something like that. Yeah, they, they're the ones who have uh, Matt and different movie, but Matt Heidi, and it's doing oh, one okay. night. Okay, awesome, week at, uh, awesome. Yeah, yeah. yeah my, next Wednesday when we're I'm going with to them, see that one. Yeah, when I'm with them, my bullshit meter doesn't go off. <laughs> good, <laughs> good. Yeah. Yeah. Like it does with some people. Yeah, I'm kind of, I'm friendly with Michael Past from them, and uh, I think that's how he says his last name. Yeah, yeah, Past, cool. su yeah. super cool guy. Yeah. yeah. So when you were saying Brooklyn 45, you were nervous because it's very dialogue driven. Uh, but, the, but everyone took to it. And that's another thing you said, uh, you know, you don't know how people can react that react to it, but if you're live there at a festival, you can tell like how it hits with people. Yeah. And, 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 you know, when you, when you get the opportunity to see four different screenings of it in four different cities with four different audiences, it really you really see what's consistent and what, you know, what will tickle one audience that won't another. And the thing that's telling about a good film is there are certain mark points in every screening I've seen where the same thing happens. And that means the film is working. You know, when you're doing a play, uh, an example is you can't take it with you. You know, it's a famous play and it's a machine. It's line, line, 
line, laugh. Line, 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 laugh. Threes all the way through. One, two, three, laugh. One, two, three, laugh. And it's actually built that way the whole way. And so I remember doing a matinee of it in grad school. And we just weren't, I don't know, maybe we went out drinking the night before and we just weren't on our game. And the director came back and he was furious because the laughs weren't there. It was line, 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 line. And the laugh wasn't there, right? So if something's built like a machine and it's good, you'll have that consistency. And the audience is the best teacher. And, you know, Brooklyn 45 is proven in the screenings I've seen to have that structure that really that really works. Um, so fun to watch it, you know, with an audience. Yeah. If it's bad, it's ter- like if you <laughs> I've made bad films. I've made bad films. I and I've I've been in rooms and watched them, and it's it's not. It's That's not gotta fun. be tough. I got to get out of here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but I, I'm I don't pretty like, proud of Brooklyn 45. Yeah, I don't make the interview about me, but so my my first feature film premiered last year at festival. And it was a really going in very nerve wracking experience to watch it with uh, with people. But when people really reacted, it ended up being probably like one of the best experiences of my life. It was a really oh, absolutely. Experience. Yeah, you know, you go, you do all that work, and you put all that time in, and you're in the edit room, and you're like, I can't being a creator of a film. I can't imagine it, it's got to be much more harrowing than it is to be an actor you know it's got to be it's got to be and i'm in it too so i had both so yeah <laughs> i got laughs so i was happy with that too so. yeah it's a good thing <laughs> so i also thought really interesting questions in brooklyn 45 about like the morality of war and also kind of like accusing other people of stuff that they are guilty of themselves so I don't know how to really explain that, but I thought well, that it was just a really interesting. Uh, you know, I mean, take on it. accusing someone that they're guilty of themselves, you just have to watch the news to see that <laughs> it's happening yeah. tonight, right now, about shit that's going on today. You know, and it's the number one way to gaslight someone is is if they say, "Hey, did you just steal that pencil?" and they say. Well, what about the things you've stolen? What is you, what's the biggest thing you've ever stolen? Like, it's classic. People have done it for centuries. If you read Julius Caesar, you know, Mark Antony does it in his oh. big speech about burying Caesar. Yeah, that's the best, yep. Right? I come not to praise Caesar, but to bury him. It's, it's that. Um, and so, you know, if you're, if you're playing Archie and you're in it, Archie doesn't do that so much as he he's just trying to avoid taking responsibility. He just can't figure out what he's responsible for or how to take responsibility for what is his. He doesn't really know because he has to hide so many things. He doesn't know what not to hide, you know. Um, Annabelle, as interesting, says uh, Jeremy describes gaslighting in one sentence better than full articles. <laughs> that's so true he's, yeah she's absolutely right thank you annabelle i don't know what i said it was an accident I <laughs> uh dialogue this about uh earlier we're talking about dialogue driven dialogue driven but they do use the areas of that one space as if those spots are their own sets the table the doors the corner the german mm-hmm. woman is forced to stay in they all have their distinct look yeah and also 
there's there's the liquor cabinet also and then also there's the hallway outside that we enter in and that we exit out of and then there's also the you know the entryway so there are, she's right there are some distinct places within the movie that are like satellites um and i ha- i hadn't actually thought of that um described in that way but i was watching the last screening and i love what ezra buzzington did with his use of that liquor cabinet he's so smart in how he deploys himself in a movie he he knows where to land himself in each scene really good work there yeah i mentioned i'm going try sorry Troy. Nope. Oh. oh, I was going to say, I mentioned you being perfectly cast, but really everyone is in the movie. And Ezra oh, yeah. has the perfect look for the movie and delivery, and he's just uh, really fits in there. And his voice. Yeah, what a yeah. great voice. Yeah. 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 We I, had fun on set. We had a little place, you know, there's the set, and then we had a place we called Mini Holding. And it was, it was six, like, very comfortable armchairs with carpets, and we had heaters because we were in a really cold studio. And we had little lamps and there was, you know, a little crafty table right by us. And okay. it, we, it was so fun to come off set and just be with each other and crack jokes and maybe run lines for a scene real quick. And then, um, but most of the time, Ann Ramsey and I were improving completely ridiculous scenarios that could probably be their own movie. God, I love that woman. She's amazing. Oh, another, uh, she was great in the movie too. Uh, yep. another she perfect really cast and, uh, and her, uh, scene with, um, with the German is, uh, really, uh, very tense and all her scenes are really. Yeah. Well, there's a story there and mm-hmm. it was tense. It was tense on set and it was that day. It was a little tense offset too. So <laughs> some of that, a lot of that bled into the scene and, um, that's it. That's a, uh, a moment where the director and the actors used um, that moment to propel themselves into the artwork. Did did you all spend time together in rehearsal at all? Because it seems like, you know, a group of people that know each other. We had one day, the first day we were there, we did, you know, fittings and makeup tests. And, and then we were able to, uh, Ted had, as I said, all our blocking. So we went through the whole movie twice that day. Once we did our fittings and then went through it once and we had lunch and then we went through the whole play, the whole play, the whole movie again, uh, as if it were a play. Um, and maybe it's Chicago because I did a play once called the Kentucky cycle with a guy named Lou Salerni, who's a Chicago director. And he had the whole play blocked out. I'm like, what are you doing? You, you have it all. Yeah, we have it all blocked out. I'm like, well, but that's my job. He's like, no, your job is that I have it blocked out. Same thing. So we went through the we went through the movie twice that day. We weren't really rehearsing the acting; we were just doing the moves. And then we could go back to our hotel room and figure out why, you know, how we were going to turn around, where we were, when, what word we walked on. Um, but so we had that one day, which is more than you ever get. You don't usually get, you know, when you're doing an episodic TV show, rehearsal is. Okay, you're gonna come in. You're gonna walk there. You got it. Okay, let's shoot it. Like, there's no. Oh, okay. There's no rehearsal. Uh, that's a myth. Rehearsal is a myth. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, Annabelle, wondering what, <clears throat> wondering about that conflict offset and what it was. The film itself is about such divisive topics. 
But whatever happened, very impressive and professional to use it for the work, real art. I'll be honest. I don't know what it was. I just know that something happened and we took a break and then we came back and shot that scene and it was really good. And when I ask about it, you know, I just know something happened. I don't know what it was. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, it worked. So, it uh, worked. It yeah. worked. Uh, um, now that you, you love the horror genre and all the people involved, but before you got involved, did you have any like preconceived notions? Like, Oh, I don't know if I want to go to these conventions or festivals. Like, you know, what are these people going to be like? Um, I probably did. And if I try to think back, um, you know, when I did the Ranger, I was doing House of Cards and Mr. Robot at the same time. I was doing one and oh, then wow. doing kind of going back and forth. And I actually I shot the movie The Judge. Then I shot House of Cards. Then I shot Mr. Robot. Then I shot uh, the Ranger. And I did all that in a very wow. short period of time. Um, and so, you know, I didn't know I didn't. You know, I, I'd seen a lot of horror films, but I never thought about being in one or being part of that. I didn't realize it was a community of people. Yeah. Mm. I didn't know it was a community of people. I didn't realize when I went to, I think I went to Fantasia first, um, that everybody knows everybody and everybody knows <laughs> right. what everybody else does. And it's not competitive, it's supportive. Mm. So that was the first thing I realized. Oh, no, these people love each other and they, they are rooting for each other and they're excited and there's no, there's no bad blood, so to speak. And I'm sure that's not 100% true, but that's been my experience. Yeah, no, oh, yeah. I, I agree. Yeah, obviously, there's always outliers or whatever. But uh, yeah, for the most part, very, very, very accepting of everybody. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, when Annabelle and I uh, were at a convention in Kokomo, and uh, the cab driver was taking us before Uber, and they were taking us to the place. And the guy was like, oh, well, that's good that they have those horror conventions because they could take all those horror people and put them in one place so they don't actually go out and kill each other. <laughs> I was like, what the hell? This guy's talking. Kalamazoo, sorry. Yeah. Uh, Another place that doesn't know, sound real, Kalamazoo. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what the statistics are, and I don't know if there's a way to measure it, but I'll bet you if you took a measure of the people who go to horror conventions and festivals – and how, how many per capita of them are murderers? And then you take the rest of the population. I'll bet you, I'll bet you my children that per capita it's higher in the non-horror community than it is in the horror community. Oh, yeah. yeah. I, I think yep. you would be correct, yeah. Yeah. Horror community has the good heated arguments. You always get the, you know, one person's favorite thing or another. And so you, you'll get some great arguments that way, but then everybody calms down and, uh, you know, and like I was, yeah, the cab driver also kind of just talked to me and uh, for some reason he didn't really talk to the female. Maybe he doesn't <laughs> very backwards yeah. area. But yeah. yeah. Made him a little nervous. Maybe. <laughs> right. So yeah. blackout with, I, so the first time you met Larry was on Brooklyn 45. So how, no, uh, no, no, no. I oh. met him. I met him. At, oh, that's the, right. I'm at sorry. the ranger no i met him i'm remembering now i met him when we were shooting the ranger the scene at the end where we're in the we're in the the fire tower that was built in his backyard in upstate new oh, york really? and, and uh he was there that afternoon i was super nervous because i knew he was gonna <laughs> be there 
And, you know, I didn't want to let him down because I knew he was a producer and I knew he was also playing a small part in the movie. And, you know, it was a big scene with Chloe, you know, introducing the ranger to his demise. And he just stopped by to say hi, man. And he was so cool. Yeah, he's awesome. That's, that's when I first met him. Yeah. yeah. It's funny because uh, on the TED interview, he mentioned that a lot of people use Hit Larry in like cameos and stuff. So you have a lot of credits. But he's not has he doesn't have bigger roles in a lot of stuff, and I'm thinking maybe that's a reason people are a little intimidated by him. So like it maybe we can well get Larry be. in the small part. Maybe can I don't I know. Make I don't prediction? think he do like a full. Uh, can I make a prediction right yeah. here? I think Larry is going to do the best work he's ever done, starting now, acting wise. I think people are going to be offering him parts. Um, he's brilliant. Oh yeah, and he he's very uh centered and you know his breadth of knowledge is so big i I just think he's brilliant and i think he's going to do his best work henceforward acting wise i don't you know i hope he makes a ton more movies probably his best movies are coming too you know yeah yeah no i'm a big fan so yeah but how how did blackout uh i know you're not a huge role in it but how did it come about for you to get involved larry called me said hey I got a really small part. Would you mind? And I was like, Larry, I'll do anything you want me to do, whatever it is. And I think I can say, I just got to think about this if I can say it or not. I I have a scene with, um, well, I better not say it. I have a small scene with another um, well-known person and, uh, and it's super fun. And, uh, the script is is just great, and uh, Alex Hurt is a really fine actor, and he he plays this part so well. I can't wait to see it. I'm really looking forward to this. Yeah. Uh, Colleen says, "Hey guys, this is awesome. Mr. Robot is my favorite show of all time. Your performance was fantastic. Well done, sir." Oh, thanks, right, Dan, Dan. I'm sorry, Dan. I had a blast doing that, and I remember at the read through, the first read through for the pilot we got up you know the lawyers come in and they talk to you and then the lawyers leave and then you read it and the director said well he was a uh a swedish guy he said i i think i think we will change the world and then he got up and he left and then i i looked at rami or no we went out to dinner and i was sitting next to christian slater and across from rami and something was happening and then there was a little quiet moment and people were concentrating elsewhere and i looked at rami and i said hey rami enjoy your cab ride home tonight because you won't be able to do it someday he said what do you mean i said you won't be able to anonymously ever again oh you called that and you know he can get in a cab now but he can't be anonymous <laughs> yep. and god bless his twin brother sammy who's a teacher in la you know, oh, and they look just alike. And he's got oh, that's all this, crazy. Wow. Yeah, all this fame without being, you know, without being his brother. <laughs> that's pretty amazing, actually. He's yeah. got to get, uh, he's got to get the uh, person who made some of your uh, facial hair and he can get a disguise, Yeah, right. Maybe. Yeah. They have tricks. They have things they can do, but still, it's not easy. <laughs> yeah. Did that make you want to uh, think about growing any facial hair? <laughs> you know, when I was playing Archie, my girl, I was, I would FaceTime my girls either, you know, when I had a break or I could never do it at bedtime because I was always working. But 
they hated the mustache. So I, <laughs> it off. I did a movie called Silo a few years ago and I had a beard and I had to, sh- they hated it. I had to shave that off. <laughs> I FaceTime when I was playing the man upstairs and I have this big beard and they, they just don't, they just want me to look like this. They don't want me to have a beard. <laughs> I understand. And so yeah. we've talked a lot about the, the room in Brooklyn 45, which is awesome. Um, how about the, like the warehouse in, in black mold? Cause I think that's another great um, location. Here's the crazy thing. That warehouse is on an on an old Air Force base. What was the largest Air Force base in the United States in Rantoul, Illinois. And next to it is this abandoned hospital. And so we shot a couple of the scenes in this abandoned, nasty hospital with with paint peeling off the walls and broken windows and cobwebs and just dank and nasty and then we walk into the set in this old it was in a hangar and they built a room that looked exactly like the dank and nasty set and it had a fire pit in it and it was just crazy and it looked exactly the same but it was all fabricated um and by the way the same woman sarah sharp and her team did both sets completely different sets um it was it was really cool really cool yeah, amazing looks, yeah that, that looks awesome how much does that help as an actor you know be, being in a place that really uh, you know looks cool it's everything because you can learn the lines and build the character and imagine and you know get the direction but if you sit down in a room that's that looks like it and feels like it and smells like it suddenly it's all there and you're just wow. You're just in the character suddenly, you know? It's really helpful. Really helpful. Yeah. And how about the suit in Brooklyn 45? I, I know uh, Ted said he actually uh, got that from another character, I forget. But uh, once you see yourself in the suit, like, uh, how much does that add to how you're going to perform? Well, he got the name from another movie. I don't know about the suit, but I, I actually have that jacket in my closet. Oh, really? Wow. They I they were kind enough to give it to me at the end of the movie, and it's in my closet right now, and I'll always have it. It's so cool. Um, the first time I put it on, you know, I buttoned it up, and the color is such a deep, beautiful, you know, rust red color, and it fit me perfectly. And, you know, co- shoes. Olivia always said shoes and whatever. He always wore a prosthetic nose, but for him it was shoes, props, and his nose. But when I put those shoes on and put that jacket on and buttoned it, you know, then you know who the character is. It helps a lot. It's very helpful. You know, the the costume tells you a lot about your posture and it either limits your movement or suggests your movement movement in some way. And so costumes are hugely important. Uh, Jill Gavargazian. I always have a hard time saying that. I believe I said Gavar- right. Jason. Yes, we love you. <laughs> We love Jill as well. Uh, she's got she's been on the show multiple times and uh, always very very cool. She's she's a polymath too. She's brilliant. She can write, direct, do makeup, do hair. That's I awesome. don't know what she can't do. We're yet to find it. <laughs> yeah, we'll find it here eventually. But yeah, <laughs> stylist is great, and it was very cool to see it from a uh, short film and her journey to get it as a feature, and then finally get it out there. And that was very cool. Yeah, if you haven't seen the stylist on Shutter check out the stylist 
Agreed, hundred percent. And I'm, you know, I watch it with my wife, and I did. I don't want to spoil it. I'm dumb. <laughs> I'm so shocked. My wife was like, "What? Really?" I'm like, "Yep, I did. I had no idea." So, it's great. It's really great. That's all I want to say about that. Very cool. And uh, about that, uh, the rise of Shutter and streaming sites. How has that helped um, for independent horror films? Um. Well, I think Shutter is really good because they, unlike other studios, they're gonna they're gonna put stuff on that's that's not down the beaten path. They'll let people who are stepping outside of whatever other parameters they'll they'll let people do that. Um, I, you know, we're in a time of flux right now. You know, there's a battle going on, yeah. and I support the writers. The writers need to get paid. There's a strike on. Um, SAG is we've we've authorized a strike though we're not formally on strike but we we support the writers we want people to get paid um, and so the streaming services um, they there's a, there's a there's a, an imbalance right now and it needs to get rectified and I think it will um, but I'm a big fan of Shutter. You know, and not just because I have two movies on Shutter. I have it, and I watch movies yeah. all the time on it. And um, I also, you know, know the people who run it, and um, they care about the horror community, and they're excited about, you know, what's next. Yeah, it's a good mix of stuff because they they have some uh, classic movies, a lot of new stuff that you know I will see at the festivals, and then like a year or so later they pop up there, and a lot of international films that. You oh, know, yeah. not that long ago, I probably would have never had a chance to see if it wasn't for Shutter or, right. or something like that. Right. And it's, I think they've got more movies of a greater variety than any other streaming service. Yeah. That's a cool thing about horror in general. Uh, <clears throat> you say horror can be many different things. And oh, yeah. Which appeals to me because sometimes I want to see something goofy and sometimes I want to see like a bloodbath yeah. or something more thought provoking. It all depends. Yeah. It's a pretty wide gamut. Yeah. So, yeah. uh, Black Mold will uh, on the festivals right now, and eventually we'll find out where it's going. Brooklyn Forty Fives yep. on Shutter. Yeah. Yep. And I highly, highly recommend that too. Yeah. yeah. Both of them. Oh, thank are... you so much. Yeah, I really and like we'll both. Hear of them. News, we'll hear news about Herd. Herd is a movie I shot with Framework Productions, and uh, um, I'm super excited about it. Um, and that'll be coming. Uh, there's an announcement. Well, I can't say anything. Announcement will be coming soon. And it'll be seen at a major festival soon. Woohoo. We hope. Very good. And now Larry, Larry. Larry on here. Oh, excellent. So while we have you both together momentarily, Larry, what was it about Jeremy that you like? Uh, I want him as a part in Black Mold. Uh, or not Black Mold. I'm sure you liked him in that, too. But uh, in uh, in Blackout. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's his pecs. I mean, such a, <laughs> man. such a sexy man. What can I say? Uh, so anytime I can get near to him and boss him around is exciting. <laughs> Listen, I'll, I'll, I'll go anywhere you say, boss. Larry, do you have a cold? Yeah, I do. And it's oh, so God. I COVID, so then you can't complain. Oh. But I'm, a- <laughs> I'm sorry, man. Yeah, I hope you're feeling it. Yeah. There's only one uh, elixir. 
<laughs> well, feel better, bud. I'm so sorry, man. That sucks. Thanks. It's funny. Uh, I'm ADR for a movie tomorrow, and I mean, does my voice sound that weird? Oh dear. Oh dear. Oh well. Hmm. Well, I just, you know, I know you so well. I could tell right away. That's right. That's right. Well, yeah. uh, did you have a good time. Did you say anything brilliant? Jeremy? Oh, no, yeah. not boring. Everything. They've been trying to they've been trying to pump life into me, but I <laughs> <laughs> Annabelle says Jeremy's great, so sorry I couldn't be on the show to talk. I hope another time. <laughs> definitely, definitely. Blackout. Talk about how brilliant Larry is in Brooklyn forty five and blackout. I'll see you in uh, Fantasia, my dude. I'll I be there, man. Dates. I'm getting close to having dates. <laughs> Cool. Let me know. Right. Hey, guys, thank you so much. I'm going to bust out. I got to kiss my kids goodnight. All right. Thanks, yeah, Jeremy. It's Jeremy, cool thanks. Back, so and we'll talk to you again soon. Okay. Thank you. You got a lot of cool stuff coming out. Yeah. Thank you, thank you so yeah. much. Love you, Larry. See you later, man. Have a good night. Okay. Bye. All right. Now we're joined by Larry Fessenden. <clears throat> How are you doing, Larry? Well, apparently you're under the weather. You're I know. Cold. That's not good. And now ah. you got to talk to these two idiots. <laughs> it, no, to well, make matters worse. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. No, all's well. I'm still <laughs> uh, uh, kicking. Yeah. So, while uh, Brooklyn 45, uh, I really I love this movie. Yep. So, how did you get involved? I know you've worked with Ted before. Yeah, I worked with Ted uh, in We Are Still Here, but I've also known Ted for a long time. He used to always come by and support the Comic Con booth of my company, Glass Eye Picks. And we've just been pals and. Uh, He's written stuff with my friend uh, Glenn McQuaid, Tales from Beyond the Pale, and this and that. Ted's done some um, uh, publicity work for some of our projects. You know, whatever. We're just uh, local pals. And then um, I was in We Are Still Here, which was really a cool experience. I was with Lisa Marie, which was uh, awesome. And, of course, uh, Barbara Crampton, who I love. Oh, and, yeah. um, and then the DP of that, Kareem uh, was somebody I knew outside of it. So, you know, it goes on and on. And uh, Ted's dad was a historian. And uh, my son made a, a war film. So I was interested in maybe talking to Ted's dad about that. So we just always had a connection, loving power and monsters and also being sort of a you know, softies at heart. So, you know, uh, I love Ted. And then, um, and also a couple of beverages. To be in the picture. And uh, I really, I thought it was on, uh, you know, an honor to, it was such an important role for his movie that I, I, I was willing to uh, rise to the challenge and hope I did him okay. Yeah, def uh, when we had Ted on, he had mentioned that like you're in a lot of stuff, but it's a lot of cameo stuff, and you don't get a lot of big roles. You have got a couple lately, but uh, is that by choice, or do people not offer you uh, bigger roles in movies? Well, you know, I don't have an agent. I'm uh, busy doing other things, producing and directing and trying to uh, – but I, I always consider myself an actor. I was an actor first, mm -hmm. but uh, – I didn't pursue it as a whole vocation because, uh, yeah, I just had other fishes to fry. And 
I think people started getting this idea that I could show up and get killed, and that almost became its own funny thing. Like, I mean, you're next, and I get killed right away, and uh, a number of movies like that. And so I think people have fun. You know, it's like the where Where's Waldo uh, of, uh, of our movies. You know, I show up and get uh, murdered instantly. But I've also had some bigger roles. Right. Just, um, oh, yeah. So, but as I say, I'm always appreciative you know, when you don't have an agent, nobody's fighting for me. So I just get the call and I'm really lucky. And sometimes it's a bigger part. Other times not. Mm-hmm. Always, uh, always memorable ones. So. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, maybe it's strategic, you know. Ah. You don't overstay your welcome. You might, <laughs> you might have more of a chance of being remembered or appreciated. <laughs> we'll do the Sean Bean thing. Don't kill Larry. <laughs> All right. Yeah, yeah, there you go. <laughs> and we won't no spoilers for Brooklyn Forty Five if you make it through it or not. So. Yes, that's we'll true. never tell. That's right. You have to watch it and find out. Uh, Ted also said he made you clean up for the movie. He said he made you comb your hair and put your tooth in. And... Oh, uh, sorry, the guys. I <laughs> no, no, I, th- I I like you just <laughs> how you are. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Although that's a trick a number of people have played. I don't know if you guys saw the. Jacob's wife. Uh, yeah, you know, oh, I'm a big it. fan. Loved yeah. it. Yeah. Play a preacher in that, and mm-hmm. I had to tidy up, and um, and that was fun too. I think uh, Travis Stevens had the same idea, like, oh, this will be a different Larry than people know. Yeah. And, uh, I'm very proud to tell you, I was in the Scorsese film that's about to come out, uh, Killers oh, really? Flower Moon. Oh wow! Yeah. I was already looking forward to that one. So. Well, yeah, me too. And yeah, it's, I'm sold. Watching the you know the trailer like a fan and then i'm like oh and i got this whole other so, <laughs> oh that's badass uh but uh yeah so i'm in that and i'm all tidied up i look like a 1940s uh you know uh business well i'm actually a, a radio star in that it's fun small role small role but i mean yeah. no that's very that's cool awesome so we talked to jeremy a lot about the the room itself in brooklyn 45 like uh you know how how much does that add to you uh, for you as an actor, and when when you see it all set up, like uh, you know, does that change how you're going to perform the character? Well, yeah, and it's just that kind of care that you can feel that Ted has put into it. I mean, there are a lot of books uh, on the shelves uh, that have meaning to him, and actually, in the close up where I'm looking at stuff, there's you can see Dracula, but he also had. Um, I don't know, some prop from, um, uh, uh, what's it called? Oh, now I'm blanking. But, you know, he had all kinds of strange and peculiar things that, as the character, you're saying, well, I've been reading a lot. And then yeah. there were actually little titles you could you could draw from. Uh, it was really fun. And uh, there were photos of his parent, you know, his father and, and certain military people. So... It was very lived in and heartfelt and felt like Ted had brought a lot to that set. And it made a huge difference. The whole movie really trickles down from Ted's sincerity and and commitment to the, to the storyline. So uh, This is the second time you were part of a seance in, in a film with uh, Ted. Have you actually ever been part of a real seance? Funny you ask, you know, I hadn't really thought about that. But yeah, in the old days, yeah, you know, in the 70s, yeah, you would do that with your friends. I don't remember it getting deep enough that it's made much of an impression. But 
but you would uh, dabble in that sort of thing. Anyway, nothing that I never got through. Let's put it that way. Yeah. <laughs> All right. No hands popped out or Not nothing yet, happened. Anyway. Well, probably good. Nothing happened to you like that. That happens in Brooklyn I Forty Five. So. I think I might be better off. But... <laughs> uh, so you met, you mentioned Travis Stevens too. Another. I, I'm really a big fan of his work. I thought his uh, uh, his most recent film was great. I forget the name of it now. Fawn. Uh, yeah, Wounded Fawn. Yeah. Well, Travis is great and. Uh... He's been in touch with me recently. Once again, speaking of like the way this stuff works, it's so nice when you have a community and uh, they give a call and um, and you know you're always I'm always there for those projects uh, because a lot of uh, showbiz is about the people that you meet and that camaraderie and it's not just that you're all high fiving and uh, it's it's that you you have the trust going in you're already over that hurdle of getting to know people and then you're ready to work and you're ready to i i like to say though the job of the actor is to become intimate almost artificially you go into a situation a lot of day playing you know if you're in a movie i mentioned the scorsese movie anything like that you got to go in there and you're ready to work and get right to business and so you have to uh immediately become vulnerable whatever is required for the scene uh but anyway travis and, and ted these are and then working with barbara uh these are just very nice relationships to have and when you get the call it's it's a pleasure to, to show up now did you uh meet travis at a festival first or um was was it doing the movie first how did you uh come into contact with him well he was the producer of ted's movie uh we are still here Oh, okay. I actually didn't know that. Oh, that's a, right. That's how he, he did that before he started directing. Yeah, that's an essential piece of the puzzle. But in those days, like, I would be on, you know, panels at uh, film festivals like Overlook or whatever it was. And, uh, and Travis would be there as a producer. He was primarily a producer until his association with Ted was kind of as he was crossing over to become a director. Uh, so I knew him as a very effective producer of, of horror movies and was always impressed because I knew that he really showed up. Some producers are off in the background, but he was the boots on the ground producer. And that's why he's a good director. He knows the whole uh, spectrum of what needs to be done in a given day. Yeah. I'm a big fan of all of his movies and, you know, uh, yeah. he's not paying me or anything. I just uh, think he's really talented. <laughs> And a really cool guy. I've hung out with him at, at festivals. Yeah, he's a very cool guy. That's the other thing. So, uh, yeah, cool guys in Yeah. So, uh, the cast in, in uh, Brooklyn 45 is great. And it, I'd mentioned this with Jeremy. It's got a theatrical feel because it's at one location and you've got a lot of, like, an ensemble cast. Uh, when you're when you're making the movie, what does that feel like? Well, once again, not to just make this whole thing a love fest, but the fact that... <laughs> Give me the dirt. Oh, no, no. <laughs> All right, so I got to tell you, Jerry. <laughs> nice. Um, no, the thing is, is like it was this big warehouse. It was this sort of uh, whole uh, studio that was going out of business. It was like run by Sears or something. And it had so many props and strange things. And it had been 
so dysfunctional that they'd given it to this little production company and they were making cool little films in this big space but it was not heated we were you know it was very cold and we would just sit there um but you know because of the nature of the movie which is that we're just in this one little set we'd all hang out and that's a real privilege because a lot of times in movies you go and you show up for the day you do one or two scenes you don't know anybody that's why I was talking about this forced intimacy. So uh, here we really got to hang with each other and, uh, you know, waiting around for uh, the next setup. So it was a very good, and, you know, everybody talks about it like a play. Well, it was also a play in the sense that we were all there together off camera. Yeah, all in the same room. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But that's like we were saying earlier, it gave off that vibe. Like, you guys yeah. have had this on Broadway for like six months or something. You know, and and it like, seemed like everybody just played off each other. And it seemed so even well. the characters seemed like they knew each other. Yeah. You know? Yep. Yeah, that's lovely. Yeah, Which that's is important fun. for the story you're telling. And uh, um, Jeremy said that you uh, you recommended movies for him to watch, and he couldn't remember them, so he he was afraid that he failed you. But do you remember? He knew it was an Orson was... Welles one and yeah. uh, the Birds, I think he said. Uh, the Stranger, uh, which is a really cool movie. Um, I actually don't know that Jeremy loved it, but <laughs> what I loved is that it was Orson Welles doing. Uh, it has uh, Energy Robinson, and oh. it's. It's just kind of a, a small town. It feels like a Hitchcock movie, small town. You know, I don't know. There's communist subplot, but you know, it was it was a mystery, like who was the bad guy and so on. But one thing that was charming about that is that Orson Welles did it for hire, and I think um, he basically came in under budget and under schedule, which was unheard of because you know he was considered an out of control uh, auteur. Uh, and I find it uh, a very workmanlike. It's still amazing, long takes and other cinematic flourishes. Plus, it's just a good yarn. I mean, the whole reason I make movies is that I just like, you know, I'm an old timer, so I watched movies on TV when I was little, uh, mostly horror movies like the old Universal films. But then I just like. Uh, black and white movies and you could suddenly tell when there was someone at the helm that made a difference and that's why i came to love hitchcock because i was just a kid and i was like wait i'm getting emotions and weird feelings from this i don't know the filmmaking and the characters that that is different from a normal movie and you know that's when i realized that somebody was in control of the, of the filmmaking and you know making suspense making long takes or other kinds of choices that were just uh, inspiring to, to watch and, and so on. So that's my head. So I recommended that. <laughs> and uh, I can't remember what else, but I'm always talking up certain weird films and I have not, I'm not like a cinema geek like some people, but they're things that I love and I'll, I'll pitch them with yeah. at a couple of drinks. You said you grew up, you know, with a lot of the older stuff, like uh, which I, I love that all that too. I have a lot of behind me here, Universal Monsters and stuff. But uh, are there any uh, like uh, newer movies that really caught you? Oh, <laughs> it's funny because I almost can't answer that. Like, what have I even liked? Uh, <laughs> it's that I'm a snob about modern movies, but uh, it's so hard to decipher what has been. Uh, good recently um 
Yeah, they, you've almost stumped me. I mean, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can kind of relate, though. <laughs> it's not some big asinine thing like there's nothing good out there. I'm just uh, like I haven't seen Boogeyman. That looks appealing. Talk about old school. Yeah, it wasn't. I'm not. I actually like a lot of new stuff, but I was not a big fan of uh, Boogeyman. Unfortunately. Well, see, there you go. And then I watched Megan, and I thought, "Oh, this is going to be fun." And I was like, oh, "This is driving me nuts." I, <laughs> it's weird, um, and I can't tell what what's going on. And I guess I'm just old man on the porch at this point. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's kind of a problem. But here I am. <laughs> no problem. So how how early on did you know like you wanted to be involved? You, you want to make movies or act in movies like since you're watching them uh, as a, since a kid. Uh, well, I started making movies when I was like twelve, and you know that was super eight. All the usual, well, I shouldn't say the usual things because in those days it was much harder. Now a kid has a cell phone and uh, and maybe a video camera, although not even they just have a cell phone. Um, but in those days. You had to actively say, oh, I'm going to borrow or find or get a Super 8 camera and I'm going to get the thing, put it in. I have three minutes to expose and I got to take it to the market. You know, it was a much more deliberate act. And so when I was little, my first movie was uh, uh, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. <laughs> and uh, it's, it's an unfinished work. Uh, but uh, it was cool. And then in 1976, I made Jaws with uh, G.I. Joe. Oh, very cool. nice. Nothing wrong with uh, that. Also unfinished. <laughs> um, you know, but then I was also doing uh, theater in school and wanted to be just an actor. But I got, and I remember I made One Flew of the Cuckoo's Nest in high school. And I, I rewrote the whole script because the play wasn't good enough. And I, I loved the movie, and then I read the book, and I thought, oh, my God, the book is even better than the movie. So I wrote my own script. That was a big production. Uh, anyway, I was an actor mostly, and then eventually um, just uh, got a Super 8 camera and started making short films and just loved the medium. I mean, this is hard to describe to the kids today because this is 1979. Uh, movies were a total mystery, like even how they went together, you know, there were maybe three books and I'm not even, I didn't even read them. Right. But, you know, little tiny paperbacks, like, you know, how to make a movie. <laughs> not, you know, nobody knew what was going on. It was an art form that was truly mysterious. I didn't even understand that a director was making a movie until a long time later. And it was only in uh, Cuckoo's Nest that I understood that they must have shot a scene from one side and then the other because Jack Nicholson's hand was different uh, when you cut back and forth from over his shoulder to in front of him. And the, the, so what I'm saying is that's how I figured out filmmaking with the weirdest kind of detective work that I do. Nowadays, the kids are so spoiled and they're all like, gotcha. This. You can look oh, up yeah. Yeah, how to do anything on you oh, know, yeah, YouTube. Oh, yeah, so true. Yeah, and you're like, well, guys, you know, you got to participate and, and <laughs> uh, experience and and bring some joy to, to you know, what it's the artist trying to do. And uh, I don't know. So I just feel like we're dealing with a bunch of spoiled uh, viewers and they should just chill out. <laughs> well, I remember when, when we had Tom Savini on, he said the most fun he had making uh, movies was 
in the early days when you had to, you know, it was all problem solving and figuring out how to do oh, this yeah. stuff before there was like a set way of this is how you do this and this and this. Yeah, well, without a doubt. And I mean, I have a company called Glass I Fix, and we always work at the low budget. That's our idea. And um, now make no mistake, my movies are considered hoity-toity, you know, they're kind of philosophical, slow burn, Ty West came out of my shop and he's considered slow burn, not everybody loves these movies, but uh, it's the idea of atmosphere and character in in the horror genre is so cool because it feels like what life is like when things start going really badly. <laughs> and, uh, that's what I try to do with the horror genre, something that's very personal and uh and honest it's not splatter and exploitation that's another part of the genre which i enjoy because it's oh, yeah. the aesthetic of it but uh for me it's really like this is personal man to me it's like i feel like i'm almost on the edge of sanity and i want to convey how that goes uh to the to the to, the, to those who listen <laughs> yeah well i'm a big fan of depraved uh oh yeah I think it was oh. great. Get to see it in Buffalo before you know it, it came out. It's at Buffalo Dreams Fantastic Film Festival, and uh, yeah, I think it's a great. I'm a big Frankenstein fan in general. Oh yeah, and oh, that's a movie maybe you would like is uh, the Angry Black Girl and Her Monster, which is another oh. sort of uh, modern take on Frankenstein. I am aware of it, and I'm looking forward to that. Fantastic. Yeah, because yeah, you're always really a Frankenstein junkie, so I figured that would be your yeah, trip. It's true. It is true. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Annabelle, uh, who couldn't be here, unfortunately, she's normally on the show with us. Uh, what are some of your recommend, uh, just recommend movies for us to watch? So what would you recommend <laughs> us? It doesn't have to be new. It could be something classic, probably something more obscure that as horror fans, we should check out. Can I just celebrate Annabelle's last name? <laughs> yes, Annabelle. <Eckler> <laughs> All right, Annabelle. Well, I don't know quite where to, but actually speaking of which, has anybody uh, recently seen um, Hannibal? Oh, uh, the, the show? No, that's my point. Have you ever seen oh. the Ridley Scott movie? It's fucking twisted. Uh, with um, it's the sequel to. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. It's Gary Oldman and uh, eating the brains out of the live dude at the table. <laughs> uh, Ray Liotta, right? <laughs> when yeah. I saw that, I was like, Hollywood is fucking jump the shark. <laughs> and that is the interesting thing is that, you know, I grew up with the idea that, you know, Texas Chainsaw, Last House on the Left, Spit on Your Grave, you know, love, you know, the, the zombie movies of Romero. All of this seemed very, uh, um, you know, aggressive to society and really like the punk rock of, of filmmaking and then it in the 80s it got co-opted and then we had our freddy kruegers and all of that which all to me as an old timer felt uh, a little cutesy and uh and so uh anyway but then the, the the struggle between indie film and and horror and and all of that versus what hollywood was doing so then when they made hannibal i was like whoa this is nasty yeah. Stuff on a big budget and uh, you know sanctioned in the theaters. Anyway, um, movies I recommend. I mean, I would say certain movies. I'm very fond of The Mist, which is an old Frank Darabont movie. 
which is really cool if you uh, i like all versions but it it does add a lot to it if you watch the black and white version well that's it that way too yeah that's what he wanted and yeah uh, you know uh it, it it is like an old movie but it's very contemporary themes and the uh you know the the preacher the evangelist uh, gathering oh, yeah. all the twists and turns of that movie and yet it's so contained and there's mm-hmm. also something really magical about the creature design very uh just those spiders awesome. always stuck yeah. with me they, one they of the best endings out. too and I, I, I see people say it's one of the worst endings, which I don't understand. I think wow. the ending is like devastating, which is you know great. And that's yeah. what a horror movie supposed to be. It's freaking horrific. So, yeah. and even I, uh, King himself said that he actually preferred the ending of the movie yeah, to his own story. Yep, he was like, "Bravo, that was yeah." That's nice to hear. I was never actually aware of that. Uh, I've always been a big defender of it, and you know they offered uh, Darabon one hundred fifty grand or whatever the number was, but some sizable pocket change to change it and he said no this is really what i want to do so good on him i yep. think it's a great example of a you know single location single time period it's like 24 hours right yeah. oh yeah it's really haunting so that's kind of in a weird way my aesthetic of a, of a film but uh i always recommend a movie called angst i don't know if you guys know it mm-hmm. it's very desolate 80s slasher film. I don't even know if it's slasher. But it's basically uh, a guy tormenting a family. It's, you know, if you're going for, because I don't want to come off as like not appreciating serious hardcore horror. And so if you want to get into that, I recommend Angst. <laughs> okay. I also, in that category, like Man Bites Dog, which is. Oh, yeah. Uh, but those are brutal films. And I mean, I don't think that horror has to go there but as far as you know I, so it's terrible that I don't have I mean it's almost like I'm blanking but you know COVID I live with the missus she's less inclined towards horror now so we didn't uh, I didn't see a whole bunch of stuff I actually saw Host which was sort of a very specifically COVID movie because it was just um, you know what I mean uh, yep. You saw it, Troy. You know, I, yeah, I, I, yeah, I thought it was a clever movie. Yeah, exactly. Um, uh, but it's tough. I can't really. Why I can't I think of anything? Terrible. Sometimes you just stumble across them. You know, like I had watched um, the man who wasn't there, or no, the man who knew too much, and I was like, this is a Hitchcock film with uh, Peter Laurie, and I've never seen it. How wow. did this happen? You know. That is one of the great films. And blew my mind. As you know, or or maybe you're aware that he remade it with Jimmy Stewart years later. And, uh, oh, okay. It's the only movie he ever remade. Oh. And the sweet thing is he said, the original, I made it as an amateur, and the sequel I, or the, the remake I made as a professional. And you're like, oh, yeah, man. well, you know what, Hitch? <laughs> the original. <laughs> See, it's been so long since I've, I've seen the one with Jimmy Stewart, so I didn't really remember it. It's actually fun now to watch it, because the one with Peter Laurie is amazing. Oh, Laurie's just, he's awesome in it. Uh, and, and Hitch would say that, you know, your villain, your movie's only as good as your villain, which is an important, I still use that uh, adage when I advise yeah. people. Uh, you want to make that villain. I mean, think of the Joker by, you know, uh, from the Christopher Nolan movie. I mean, just like, oh, yeah. That is why that movie 
rocks is because of that characterization and on it goes obviously endlessly that so the villain is what matters and peter laurie is so amazing it's fun to watch if it's still fresh in your mind watch the remake and you see what changes i'm gonna have to do that now yeah because yeah, it's been you know, years it's the same ending obviously the thing with the, yeah. thing with the, with the symbols and all that anyway there's some pleasures in the new one too but uh, i think okay. it's got a little more grit yeah. yeah, I'm at the age now when I think it's been 15 years since I've seen it. It's been 30 years. Yeah, yeah, I know. You know I got to double whatever I think it's been. It's true. It's true of everything. I mean, yeah. <laughs> uh, speaking of remakes, are there uh, any remakes that you've. Because uh, remakes, now anytime someone remakes something, a lot of fans will just will hate oh, it before it comes out. Up. But we yep. do have a lot of great remakes. Uh, obviously, I do think they remake everything they don't need to. But do you have any uh, remakes that you think are either better than the original or, or good on their own uh, merit? Well, I think it's a really important question because the standard thing is like remakes suck, but then I make Frankenstein movies and werewolf movies. So in a yeah. weird way, the, I am, we wouldn't have John Carpenter's the thing. Well, you know? yeah. And the thing is exactly an amazing remake and also let the right one in. Oh my God. The end is a standalone great movie. You just, oh. then you're like, Oh, well the original was so cool. But that's a great remake, and uh, I think uh, maybe I'll get criticized. But I think Dawn of the Dead by Matt Reeves is awesome, uh, with uh, well, whoever the hell's in it. But that and the opening of that is fantastic because it's actually a restaging of what would have been what's referenced in Night of the Living Dead, the original. Uh, they say, oh, and then we got T Bone. Anyway, it's so cool. It's actually somebody cared enough to figure that out yeah good attention to detail there yeah so i think that's a a good one by the way then 28 weeks later i think is a great oh. movie. it's not a remake but uh yeah it's equal though yeah. there's yeah, a good sequel, though. sequel that uh raises the bar or at least continues the mission yeah. um what else you guys should tell me and then um I, I, and it's not actually horror but i i think the remake of cape fear is great Oh, yeah. Oh, kidding. That's so funny you say that. I was talking to my kid. He's like 22. He makes movies as well. And he said I was, because I have a, a shelf of Blu-ray, you know, yeah. I'm always like physical media, fuck streaming. <laughs> so he comes home and he just looks at the wall and he's like, I couldn't decide what to watch. And I was trying to, you know, this and that. And he's like, I just took Cape Fear out. It's like mother's milk in our house. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, absolutely. One of the great uh, and yeah, the original is pretty superb. But oh yeah, and I love the fact that Mitchum and um, yeah, it's so great they show up. Yeah, yeah. what? Well, uh, speaking of kind of that kind of reminded me uh, the invasion, the first uh, remake invasion of the Body Snatchers, where it's almost a too. sequel in a way because you have the uh, Kevin McCarthy at the beginning running yeah. out. You know, uh, the seventies uh, invasion of the Body Snatchers. I think that's a great remake. Donald Sutherland. Yeah. <gasps> Oh yeah, so yeah, that's one of the greatest endings of, of all time. He rocks in it. Yeah, that might be the the ending actually beats the original, and I love the original yeah. ending too. And I love the original. The original, yeah, was so, so bleak. great. It's time. It was so bleak. Oh, but um, but the seventies movie has so much going for it. I saw it in the last couple of years again. Now they made they made an, a. Third yeah, one. It's not that bad. But yeah, it's, it's okay. I, too. I think yeah. it's the third of the three. But yeah. wait, it's, uh, 
it's, I think it's, this is called yeah, Invasion, right? maybe? No, you're talking about, they made four then. Oh, it's yeah, I think right. It's terrible. I got to tell oh, you. Oh, really? <laughs> maybe I'm thinking of the other one then. Yeah. But, and Invasion is, uh, you know, it's, it's kind of a good art film, and but it doesn't, and I feel bad because I think that was one, you know, they very much would take these French auteurs and bring them over here and make them make a movie and it sucked <laughs> <laughs> and then they you know and they were ruined whereas they made some great gem originally i mean i guess the guy who made the hills have eyes what's that guy's name Hassan. Uh, anyway yeah. oh. um but did you guys see the vanishing the original is amazing and oh yeah by the same guy it like has a happy ending and you're like no that's not <laughs> yeah it really ruins that. yeah that's that's a little far-fetched then <laughs> yeah 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 yeah, yeah. I I also like it. Uh, I mean, it's not the best movie world, but I, I actually like the remake of the Blob from the '80s. I think it's a really fun, yeah. uh, gross-out horror movie. I love that. Uh, yeah. Because I love the um, like this trope. I don't think it would play anymore, but I love like the badass like kid on the motorbike. Oh yeah, yep. And then he's like turns into the hero. He's supposed to be bad, but he's yeah. the hero. Oh, that just warms my heart. I love that. I so identify with that kind of character. Oh, yeah. He actually turns out to be cool. So, Or he was cool, but then he turns out to be <laughs> Right, like a good guy, yeah. So, is that Matt Dillon or Matt Dillon's little brother in that one? Somebody, some Dillon's in that one. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's, it's fun, though. It's, um, I saw it again recently. Um, so on Halloween, we go to a 12-hour horror movie marathon at the Coolidge, which is a really cool 100-year-old theater. And so they do a uh, every Halloween from midnight till noon the next day, 12 hour movies. And they always have two movies they announce, and then the rest will be uh, will be secret. You'll be surprised. And yeah. they always have a theme. So the one year it was uh, alien horror movies. And I think they had alien, and I forget what the other one was. But one of the surprise ones was the remake of The Blob. And so oh, watching on nice. the big screen at 35 millimeter wow. was really cool. What could be better? That yeah. is so fantastic. I don't think I've ever seen that one on the big screen. Yeah, I'm a little a envious really, on that one. There's a, I forget the name. There's this really weird movie, and the the guy who runs it, he was like, it's it's almost like Predator bait was based off this, and it was very similar. It was really low budget, but it's pretty much a Predator story, um, and it was it had Jack Palance in it, and uh, and the, uh, the guy, now. man, it had like a really great cast, but yeah. Don't they shoot like a weird like CD disc at people? He th or he the guy the alien, the alien throws like uh, it looks almost like a Nerf like uh, thing. <laughs> it like sticks on people and they're like ah and they grab it and scream. And it's it's like, not great, but it's very entertaining. Sounds like phantasm. You know? Oh yeah, you can't go wrong there. <laughs> yeah. Which I'm a big fan of phantasm. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, you know, we worked uh, with Angus many many oh. times at the end of his career and uh he was just such a pal um to glass i picks my company and he was in i sell the dead and automatons and satan hates you and just some uh, many of our films and also our radio plays so he oh awesome a yeah. beautiful man yeah he's a. Uh... Um, so Annabelle and I, um, we did an interview with him. It was not long before he passed away. And it sounds like it would be depressing because he knows he doesn't have much uh, time left. But it's really uplifting in a weird way because it's like he's very, he was really happy with his life. And he talked about 
going to see Frankenstein as a kid and like uh and then he says like later in life I became uh you know my own Frank you know being like yeah. a you know horror icon and I was like yeah it was a really was nice interview what a what a dear friend and he would write letters to my son and all wow. in longhand and he'd send uh music recommendations oh wow he was just so engaged and uh and even after he died he had sent us some cakes and they were in the freezer so you know they oh, wow. outlived them it was just very he was a wonderful person to have in our lives you know sort of reminds me of when Karloff and and that's Peter who we mentioned those guys were in the last you know in the in the um uh, uh what's the fuck's name movie you know what i mean the the old oh like um oh. you know what i'm saying the, uh, <laughs> oh my god shame on us who's the producer i mean i'm just having a senior moment neil but... piranha um yeah oh, uh... Yeah. Little Shop of Horror. Oh, Roger Corman. Roger Corman. Thank you. <laughs> I do. We threw hits and be like, ah, there. Yes, exactly. Uh, anyway, the Roger Corman movies mm -hmm. with all those old times sort of. So uh, true. I can't get enough of those. Reminds me of working with Angus uh, in, his, in his later years. He was one of the guys that, like, when I was a kid, truly scared me. The tall man, like, he freaked me out. Like, ten-year-old yeah. yeah. Troy wanted nothing to do with the tall man. No, no, very. I remember <laughs> seeing that in a theater on 86th Street in Manhattan. Yep, it was spooky at the time, and uh, that movie freaked me out. <laughs> oh, me too. <laughs> right down to the like the mustard finger, like the you know everything. Everything, yeah. And then I was. I worked with Reggie Bannister as well, so I Sweet. got the, the whole uh, package over the years. That's awesome. Yeah, I grew up watching horror movies since a little kid, so I don't want to be a tough guy, but like I wasn't scared of stuff, really. But that is actually one thing that did scare me as a tall man, especially at the end when he's like, no, it's not. Well, <laughs> it just goes to show that sometimes the weirder something was, the more it would be disorienting. Like, it was <laughs> that yeah, whole... It's so weird. If you yeah. try to explain the premise of that movie to someone who's never seen Good it, luck. you'd be like, it's got, you know, these little people from another dimension and they take uh, dead people. And you're like, what the hell are you talking about? Yeah, they look how my jaw was walking around. And, you know, hey. Yeah, so that was, uh, yeah, that, there's all those kind of movies as well. Anyway, it's, uh, Annabelle brought up. Uh, she said, "Invaders from Mars" is a great, uh, is a fun remake. Oh, that's so sweet! I completely agree. I love that yep. movie, uh, and you know, I always think about that vibe. I mean, it has sort of a nostalgia to it—the idea that the kid looking out the window and you know the the thing over the hill and that. <laughs> yep. I think about that movie a lot, actually. So uh, that's a great one to add. Uh, Annabelle, can you hear us? Can you hear me? Yes, we can. Yes. All right. I decided I'm stepping in. <laughs> you can see me, but you can't see me. All right. Is Annabelle enough. real or is she AI? She's <laughs> I'm so real. I'm so Nasty sorry. Neil, terrible Troy, and AI Annabelle. Man, you know, if you have AI of all of our pictures and recordings, that would be well, I've been be saving them all. Too, yeah. yeah. I'm feeding all all the all the video into an AI machine. So. 
But uh, you did have the right name, too, for the movie I was mentioning with Jack Palance that also said Martin Lando. Yeah, I looked that up. I don't remember that one. I, I think you may have fell asleep in. during it. Because it is a long time to watch the movies, yeah. 12 hours. Yeah. When we started talking about Invaders of Mars, I'm like, that's it. I have to step in now. I got to step in. I'm not feeling my best. That's why I wasn't here from the beginning. But now I'm here, kind of. Sick, too. We're all good here. Invaders, I decided I'd bring over my bottle of wine. I'm very inspired by you, Larry. <laughs> so you're yeah. doing it all classy in a glass. I just have a bottle. I won't finish it. But it's <laughs> At least not a box. Come on. It's, it's not a box. It's so true. Or a bag. Yeah. Have my my like wine skin. <laughs> yeah, we drink it from a horn. It's the modern wine skin. Yeah. Oh, there we go. go. All right. Yes. Neil is Mr. Sober now, so I'm gonna. Yeah. Drink. I'm, very, I'm Mr. Boring now, but yeah. which is good for him. It's been very good. Neil. Carry on. That's thank good. you, thank you. That's four good. years, so yeah. Wow, that's crazy. How long? Four years and uh, like four, uh, three months. Ah, uh, congrats. Thank you. So Annabelle got to see Brooklyn 45, too, which uh, I believe yeah. I haven't talked to her about it. But I th from oh, really the comments, I think you're a big fan. No, it was, it was excellent. I thought it was it was a lot of fun. It was dark, but it was still yeah. fun. Um, it, uh, I don't even know. This is part of why I didn't come on. I'm like, I'm a mess right now. <laughs> I had a long day, like rough things at, at my job job. But no, it was really fantastic. I loved it. It was visually, it was just stunning and almost it was interesting because for that time for that era i don't think often things the colors pop like they did in that movie yeah right there's well, a very different visual vibe yeah like even watching like seeing the trailer it's like almost wondering if this is going to be a serious movie because the colors are so intense and it was it was very punchy and I loved it. It ended up working really well, and I helped that set up each of the characters as, as being like a, um, like an archetype kind of being. Um, yeah, I don't think it was just you couldn't really take the whole thing just at face value. I think there was more to it than that. It's and, a tribute to uh, to Ted that uh, I believe I'm not betraying anybody when I tell you that the color timers of the movie they made it much more somber looking because they, and, and he said, what's going on? Where's my beautiful footage, my beautiful yeah. room? And yeah. they said, well, it's a horror movie, right? We thought we'd make yeah. it more spooky. And he said, no, 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 I, that's not what I want. I want it to be vibrant. So yeah, very much his choice. Cool, that's fascinating. Yeah, and it, I'm so glad that that's something that I saw. Well, kudos yeah. to him. It was very unique. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, he'd appreciate you notice that. Yeah. yeah, he even mentioned that the actual the green for the room was uh, a lot of that was because of Rosemary's Baby, the poster oh. has that same green in the background. Nice, oh. yeah. Which is well, really that's cool. The thing. You know, I like the idea that uh, directors are magpies. They're just taking the best <laughs> ideas and the best images and mm -hmm. it all together into a new soup. But nothing's particularly original. It's just how you. And, you know, it's often very intuitive, uh, especially things like color. Yeah. Uh, color is so important in a movie. I always say that Jaws, you know, you picture that movie, it's like the yellow barrels, yeah. the red, black boat, and then that weird color of the ocean. And that's the movie. You know? 
totally. I was looking at a friend of mine's making something and I was looking at, they're like color swatches that they do now for, for movies. Yeah. You can just look up this and they're, they're incredible. They're amazing. Yeah. They're very fascinating for me to look at. That's, I don't know if we're going off like in a direction that anybody actually wants to talk with me about, but, <laughs> but I think it's beautiful. Well, Troy, I guess Troy's like, fuck the color swatch. I'm like, <laughs> He's a very art man. Spot. Yeah, I think I, I think there's something going on there with he has many animals at the house. I think something's happening there with the, some of the animals. Oh, yeah. His yeah. bats are uh, giving. <laughs> he has many. Uh, I'm in my basement. I do have mice every once in a while that run around, but awesome. they've not made it on screen yet. Yeah. But, so, no, it was a really enjoyable movie. I love the archetypes of each of the people. Um, I just it was a. Uh, I felt. Like the end was tough. I can't, obviously I don't want to give anything away. The end was tough. I, I have to say, I feel bad for the, I'll just say I feel bad for the husband. Yeah, I agree. I agree. He was kind of like, I'm, I'm done. Let's, let's move this yeah. to the next level. And uh... and he was kind of like the only innocent person in the room, but then he became like one of the biggest villains. Yeah. And uh, I think that's what makes it really interesting is all the, uh moral you know you think you're sort of following along but then it takes a shift and you're like oh yeah well what else would you do you know yeah it's really really great such a fun movie in that regard the gore is pretty amazing oh yeah it was just like what yeah and it really <laughs> takes you back the first time you saw something happens like that yeah Yes. Well, I guess we're not allowed to talk too much about it. No, no, no. There is gore, and it's it's quite impressive. That's yeah. Stop. Well, when you're watching it with an audience, um, uh, how, how do people react uh, to the movie and to like uh, you know a shocking scene? Uh, you know how it is. People are both taken aback, and then other people are delighted. That's what they're there for. You know, it's a. This is what's funny about the horror group is. Uh, some people want the spectacle. Some people are into the the nuance and the dark storytelling. So you know, there's really um, it's a great uh, diverse crowd of people, and I think when a movie can satisfy all those different groups, that's really exciting. And I think Brooklyn Forty Five has a lot of that potential. It's the last thing you'd imagine: a bunch of people talking in a room, but there's enough tension and then some really uh, because you're invested in the characters some of the just the simple torture things are so uh, skin crawling it i always love a movie that reminds you what when violence can really have an impact as opposed to you know there's also the vibe of just like flasher movies and you know one kill i think that's because sometimes you watch a movie, there's so many killing, it really means nothing after a while. But if yeah. there's one or two deaths that really mean something, that's much more powerful. I think so. And we all know about the body cam movies, and they are what they are. And you're like, oh, that was a good effect. Or, you know, oh, yeah. wow, they split his head in two. Who knew? So <laughs> that's a whole part of the genre. Uh, but, you know, every artist or filmmaker sort of takes some portion of what interests them. Like I mentioned, what let the right one in? That's obviously not a, uh, a gore film, but that's the 
kind of horror movie I'm intrigued by. I'm glad you brought. I I'm a big fan of. I really think oh, both of them brilliant. too work. I saw the remake first, which kind of made which uh, made me go see uh, see the original one, which that can you know work sometimes. Yeah, exactly, exactly, and uh, they both work. The, the the only thing about the first one, not only is it just awesome, but uh, the pool scene. It's so much better in the first one. It just makes you realize the simplicity of filmmaking. The first one is just one take. And then, you know, the, all the, I mean, I'm not giving it away, but yeah. the whole <laughs> oh, yeah. in the second one, it's much more um, fussy, the filmmaking. And you're just like, yeah, that's what's cool is sometimes the one take, whatever effort it took to get that is yeah. so effective. Yeah, uh, just kind of let it happen at that. Yeah, point. but anyway, that's harder. It's harder to do something in in one take. You realize so. There's a, there's, I find a really sad story, um, which I like about it. I mean, I think uh, you know, good art evokes emotion, if that's a positive or a negative emotion. I agree, and I think horror is about sadness and loneliness, and uh, a lot of the real emotions that most of us go through. And that's what I always say about it. And that's sort of been my angle from the start is uh, using the genre to remind everyone that life is pretty fucking scary and lonely. And, you know, the idea of that is to therefore say, so we should all be nicer to each other uh, <laughs> yep, yep. in our brief time because uh, it's a, it's rough for all of us, you know, and that's the other thing. I think something about pop culture makes a lot, there's a lot of envy and people think some people are having a great time and yeah. aren't. And I want to remind everyone that everybody feels pretty scared and lonely and worrying about one thing or the next from moment to moment. Yeah, I mean, when someone famous, uh, you know, sadly, if they commit suicide, so people are always like, well, how could they do that? They're so famous yeah, and wealthy. Right. Like, they they yeah. must have no problems. Fame ain't going to save you from nothing. You know, all of that. And, you know, it can add new pressures and things that you think aren't the same as worrying about your checkbook. But actually, you know, that's the thing. Everybody, it's all relative. But we should be aware that um, everyone is suffering. That's the natural state. Any moments of happiness are—that's uh, just a little brief gift. My yep. <laughs> so. um, our friend Bill Whedon says uh, one wants to say hello, and that he was in Tales from Beyond the Pale in the episode Johnny Boy with Shay Wiggum. Awesome! That's incredible. Hey, Bill, I remember you. Yeah, Bill's a very cool yeah. guy. Oh, we sweet, sweet guy. Yes. Yep. Uh, well, can you tell people about like Tales that. from the Beyond Tales from Beyond the Pale? For uh, I hope that uh, fans or listeners of your guys' show would uh, check out Tales from Beyond the Pale. That's we got fifty episodes of single wow stories, uh, starring everyone from Ron Perlman to Doug Jones, Vinny uh, D'Onofrio, mm -hmm. your pal, Shea Wiggum, Amy Simons, Joe Swanberg. I mean, whatever. But it's not about that. It's about the uh, fantastic stories. Um, which were written by a whole bunch of different writers and artists. And uh, some of them we did live. Some of them were in the studio, but all of them were Barbara Cranston's in a couple of them. Oh, Rock on. I just looked this up and I'm so excited. I heard you mention, um, I don't know if you use the same words, the audio drama. And we yeah. just had someone on the show who's. Yeah. I love them. 
I love yeah. them. I'm listening to uh, what is it, Old Gods of Appalachia? I don't know if you've listened to that. Right. So good. So now finding this Tales from Beyond the Pale, I'm there. I'm so excited. I would love to grow our audience because I really think they're very immersive audio. Uh, some of them, there's one that my comrade made uh, that doesn't even have dialogue. So you're literally oh, wow. a, half hour, a half hour movie and you're just going, what is happening? Wow. Basically a vampire crawling out of her coffin. And what is she wow. from there? It's so cool. But, uh, you know, they're all great. Angus Scrim is in a couple of them. Uh, they're really fun. It's such a treat for a horror fan. Yeah, I'm really interested. Um, cool. So yeah, the last few years, I mentioned I know drinking more part of it was getting healthier, and I walk a lot. And that's when I started listening to audiobooks. Yeah. And uh, so part part of the thing that keeps me motivated to walk is I only listen to the audiobooks when I am walking. So if I find something I really like, it makes me walk even more because I want to keep listening to more of it. Oh, yeah, that's great. Tales from Beyond the Pale. Yeah, I'm going to listen to these. Better health. Uh, exactly. I'll do before and after photos. Like this is before tales. Tales from before. for me. Yes. <laughs> I love it. So Barbara Crampton, uh, you've worked with her a lot. Well, when you first like met and worked together, did you just like uh, hit it off right away? I think so. I mean, we met on. Uh... I think we met on Ted's film, the first one. Uh, we are still here. Yeah, and not just because you're here. I actually picked that as my favorite horror movie that year. I'm a yeah, huge that fan. Yeah, that so great. Oh, it's fantastic, right? Yeah, uh, I love it. And uh, I have a fun part in it, so I get to swallow a sock. Uh, <laughs> Always which, good. Which I we were doing the gag, and I said, you know, I think we could do this in one take if you just. Put the sock in, pan down, and then I'll do a little thing, and then we'll, uh, if you pan up, we can do it in one shot. And so we gave it a, a, a try, and it worked out. So oh, I'm wow. very proud of that moment. It's very uh, funky. Um, but uh, then, like I'm saying, Barbara would uh, show up at um, these film festivals and the way it was is the tales from beyond the pale would go to a film festival and we would use the actors that were there to promote their movie so we'd say we have um these three uh audio plays to put on and we know you're here for your film but we've come out on thursday night and do this we'll rehearse in the afternoon and do it at night and there were some amazing results that's uh, the coolest i love that that it, whole the whole concept's great yeah, it was fantastic. And we worked with this dude, um, Leon uh, Vitale, who was Stanley Kubrick's uh, assistant. Oh, wow. Wonderful um, story. And you know what Foley is, right? It's when you're doing the little sounds on the stage for the yeah. people walking or whatever. And he's he's this really cool British guy. And he's like, oh, I did Foley on a movie. Uh, and we were like, oh, that's nice, strange little old man. What was the movie? And he said, <laughs> yeah, it was, um, um, oh, my God. Uh, what am I? Nah, I can't even tell the fucking story. I'm sorry. Make it up. We won't know. <laughs> but the whole point is you will know. It was a full metal jacket. <laughs> oh, wow. Oh, little this little, movie, this little yeah, film you, know, you may have heard of. It. Little throwaway <laughs> film you might have heard of. Anyway, he was a legendary <laughs> character, and he's so sweet. He's in the in the um, 
in our tale. Awesome. And uh, I'm the host, and you know, I'm, it's it's really a very fun show, kind of a throwback. But once we're into the shows, they're very contemporary and modern, and some of them are really nasty, and some of them are kind of charming. So it's I really recommend it. I have to say. Yeah, I'll I can't wait some, now. Yeah, and I'll I'll put some episodes up on the website for people. Oh, please. Yeah. 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 The, honestly the interesting. design of the webpage is very cool. I really like it. Well, it's funny you mention it. I appreciate that, Annabelle. Uh, is that the uh, the posters yeah. for each show are so essential to the way Glenn Glenn is my partner in this Glenn McQuaid. Uh, you know, we, we care so much about the way they're presented. So we have amazing poster artists. Oh. Um, Gary Gary Pullen from Canada, and then um, Graham Humphreys from... Oh, he's... Oh, yeah. Yeah. Say no more. Yeah, yeah. yeah. so uh, everything from Tales is pretty classy. The only problem is uh, who has the time to do that? So we're working on our next season. We'll get it out there sometime soon. Um, Jeremy had mentioned a little bit about Blackout. Can you talk about it? Is it finished? <laughs> Monday. Monday. Monday, I'm, it's finished. I was all finished on Monday. <laughs> uh, I'm always tinkering, but uh, yeah, we're done. It's done. It's my uh, werewolf picture. I mean, it's oh, I can't wait. I made a movie called Have It, and I would never say that it was a vampire movie because the whole idea was that you didn't even know what kind of movie you were in. Um, then everybody knows that Depraved was a Frankenstein story. And so I'm very open about this one being a werewolf movie. Uh, but it's still, it's my whole idea of um, just what I always say is like, what would it really be like? So it's just a portrait of a guy who's got a real problem and he's got to deal with it uh, every month, you know, a couple of nights. Neil, you've been through it. You know, the life of the drinker and uh oh i thought you meant i knew the life of a werewolf <laughs> being a lycanthrope yourself Neil. They're, they're uh yeah they're they're related in my opinion so it's just the story of what happens to this guy on the that uh three days um of the month and he's trying to sort of make amends to people that he knew and uh and things get out of control for him so it's it's a you know my personal our story journey uh, but I'll say this it's I want everyone to see this movie and enjoy it and uh, but I'm determined to make uh, my final sequel in uh, in this world of the monster verse and have all my monsters in the same movie so <laughs> wow oh, interesting. that sounds very for the word final always sounds very final so how final is final yeah well we don't know let's just see i mean if you could even do the the, the mashup but that's the fessenden verse there we go yeah House of Fessenden. Well, it's funny you mentioned that. I when on my walk, I always walk by. It's called uh, the Fessenden House, and it's no way. Yeah, where's that? It's um by well, Troy will know. It's by the Daniel Webster Inn. It's on uh, it's by Russell's Corner, which people but it's in Sandwich, Massachusetts. Oh, yeah. I'll take a picture of it for you the next time. The oldest town in the Cape. That's yeah. their claim to fame. Oh. So. <laughs> well, there's a school called the Fessenden School as well. Yeah, my my. 
relatives are from up there, so that's what. Uh, I'll take a picture of it next time, and I'll send it to you if you if you want. Yeah. I would love to see that. That's yeah. I honestly, every time I walk by, I think, oh, it's a Larry Pheasant. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's really weird. The place next to it's the Daniel Webster Inn, and it's a really old inn and restaurant, and they have um, um, stocks and what, what do you put uh, when you put your head That's through? Weird. Oh wow, wow! Okay. Yeah, they have that out in the front, and I'm like, I don't know, is this a great like, uh, like, oh yeah, I really want to stay at this place. It's got like public, yeah, like, uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. On the yeah, right. And on the beds, we, you know, we uh, the thing some... closer and closer. <laughs> oh, yeah, God. yeah, the rack is yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. <laughs> just a quaint little town, but there's a lot of weird stuff that goes yeah, on. Annabelle calls it's it a the Stephen King quaint town. town. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. yeah. It's a strange place. So, um, do you prefer a bipedal, bipedal, by biped werewolf, or on all fours? Oh, biped. Yeah, I agree. 100%. Also, uh, I'm also a flat snout guy. I mean, okay. look, I love um, American Werewolf in London and Howling, and obviously, uh, uh, what's it called? Dog. It's really interesting. American World from London, I think, is my favorite werewolf movie, but I don't really, I'm not really in love with the look of the werewolf in it. Yeah, well, the, everything about it is so charming. And, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. You barely really can see the werewolf. But uh, anyway, I think that was all a product of that moment in makeup history, which is so incredible and it's so cool to see the snow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, um, I grew up on this comic called Werewolf by Night, which was Marvel. Oh, hell yeah. And uh, and even that, when I talk about it, I have all the volumes. And I'm like, I really don't even like the drawings in the later volumes. <laughs> the artist... Was Dean Cologne, was he the one that did the the illustrations in them? Who? Gene Cologne? No, it's Mike Plug. Oh, yeah, okay. Mike yeah, Plug yeah. is like my favorite... Um, I even thank him in my credits just as literally a tip of the hat. But um, he, uh, there's something about his werewolf that is really youthful and, and physical and like a superhero, you know, yeah. the whole thing. I like his backstory in that too. Yeah, Jack Russell. Which yep, is, yep. Which is his name. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> I know, it's also silly. And, you know, in the 90s, I went to Miramax, if you remember that company. Of course, now it's just yeah. Of the Harvey Weinstein, but uh, I went there and it was the cream of the crop at the time. And uh, I pitched them Werewolf by Night. I said, I'm the no guy in the movie. And they're like, You're some weird independent film. What are you going to do with us? And I'm like, No, you don't understand. And this is like, this is everything that matters to me. Anyway, they threw me out the door. But uh, I, so that's in a way my real influence. But of course, I love Lon Chaney, or at least oh, the yeah. idea of Lon Chaney. I like the new. The Benicio del Toro makeup pretty well. In a weird way, everything that was determined to make the audience like it more, which was make bigger claws and bigger teeth, were exactly what where the makeup got slightly out of proportion. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just typical that yep. like, imagine some executive saying, "I think bigger teeth is going to come off." Dude, we're 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 doing something here. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, that movie had other problems, of course. But I still like the general vibe and the makeup and that it was trying to be practical. It's very brutal, too, yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. So anyway, uh, yeah, that's my vibe. I just love the werewolf thing. Um, yeah, and you know, Larry, is that a plug uh, panel behind you on the wall? Oh, that's a comic panel, or yeah, I, I think on the other side. That's by my friend Brom Ravel. That's uh, oh, okay. That's uh, the last winter we made a comic book. Like that. Oh, very nice. But I've got uh, all kinds of little treats here. Oh, Ooh. I'm sorry. Good. I was just sharing this picture here. Let me get yeah. out of here. That's yep. the one I found. I'm like, that's. That's oh, stuff. that's very yeah. nice. Yeah. Yeah, that's tremendous. Yeah, I like that guy. Oh. But I got so much. Uh, I mean, that is so much closer to human than the ones. Like, I love the big, giant, bulking werewolves with the huge wolf head, dog soldiers. Cool. Yeah, dog soldiers is awesome. Oh, yeah. Right? But what you're showing is so much closer to human. Well, in that regard, I like. Well, my movie in particular is just very psychological. In fact, you're like, is this guy a werewolf or is he got problems? Yeah. That's just uh, my my approach. There's this guy. Oh, I love oh, him. Very nice. That's cool. Yeah, that's from uh, that's the Del Toro. What else do I got? <laughs> One more. This guy is uh, technically the most. Ooh. Oh, wow. He's cool. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. I don't know yeah. what I'm doing. Anyway, that's all good stuff. Yeah. Nice. These are our comrades in life, as you know. I like that, Neil, you have a lot of the old. Yeah, we've got a, we've got a little goofy wolfman here. Oh, He's yeah. pretty cute, I think. Oh, yeah. that's fantastic. I love that's it. That's a great one, too. Yep. It's from uh, Creepy um, something or other. Uh, Creepy Company. Yeah, uh, so I got the... He's a little bust. Oh, it's yeah. actually very heavy. But... Oh, I love that. Yeah. Oh, what's that one, dude? I've never seen that one. That's beautiful. Yeah, that one's great. Nice. What's that from? Um, I've had it for a long time, but I never had a place to display it until we started doing the show. Damn. Um, it says Lon Chaney likeness from Chaney Entertainment. Hmm. I'm not sure where it was made, but <laughs> I have the uh, boxes up for them upstairs. I have to check out. I know it's always a torture. These <laughs> it's like so ridiculous. But here's the Frankenstein from the same set. Oh man, really nice. Now I'm gonna be out searching for that. I oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I got them years ago. Like I said, I just kept them in the box, and then when we started doing the video show, I was like, oh, I'm gonna put these up behind me. Man. Ooh. Oh, that's yeah. really, I, I've never seen this series. I'm quite... Yeah, I'm not. I'm not Are they from Sideshow, Neil? Because they're really like good quality. I think uh, I really got them from a company that I think they went out of business pretty early on. Oh. I got them when I first got on the internet. It was like around 2000, and uh, I got them inexpensive because the company went out of business. But I don't. I don't know if you can even where you get them anymore. Man, now I got a, a mission. <laughs> Then we got oh, the tiki mug. Oh, oh there we go. <laughs> yeah. That looks like an old oh. Mego figure. I love that one. That's pretty good. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's literally like a G.I. Joe style. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Like There's a creature. 
they have a creature from the Black Lagoon in this style, which is like uh, it's like the doll, but then it has a rubber suit. It's funny. Oh, that's awesome! Oh, really? So uh, Neil might go uncertain. Can like pull down and so you see an actual person's face. Well, you see the interior of the doll. It's weird. <laughs> uh, oh, we'll put this back. Yeah, yeah. Neil and I are like, well, we can't. <laughs> <laughs> well, you guys have cool. I have stuff, but it's not not stuff I can share. Well, what do you have? I've got. Uh, I've got Ooh. a little kooky guy. I've got. I've got. Let's see. I have. Um, they're not horror, but I have two He-Man the Panthro figure, which nice. is an animal because it's this awesome purple panther. Oh yeah, beautiful. Oh, cool. In battle it. cat, we're great. I guess I've got more like creepy things that maybe aren't from movies. So like a weird tiki thing. I've got like I just bought that barb stuff. I've got a cool little Kulu idol. He's really nice. Poor Annabelle. Nobody's listening because we're geeking out. It's <laughs> fine. You guys. <laughs> I'm glad someone noticed. Yeah. yeah. This is. I, I just brought him down here. I've had him oh. for a long time too. It's a little. It's a critter, but I couldn't find oh, his room for great. him at the moment. But yeah. That's pretty damn good. Now I'm getting uh, down. <laughs> All right, all right. Well, what? All right. He's bringing out the big guns now. <laughs> oh wow! Which Godzilla is that? Oh, nice. Oh. He's fighting the T Rex. Ooh! I like this battle. Rex has a pretty, pretty big jawline, but yeah, probably doesn't make electricity. Well, <laughs> is it really electricity though? It's radioactive stuff. Very true. Ooh. Oh, sweet. Nice. Nice. It's hard to beat the creature. Yeah. yeah. This is yeah, all cool, the lizardy yeah. beings. Right Although, you know, speaking of um, of uh, sequels, I finally watched, literally three days ago when I was sick, um, the third creature, which I never wanted to watch. Oh, the, the one where his home. scales get burned off and he can walk on the ground. On I don't like it. Really? Oh, the creature walks among us? Is that is that what that one is? Yeah. It's very... Uh, it's very disturbing and i hate the makeup and i hated the whole thing i don't like him in a suit <laughs> yeah so oh, wow. it's, it's why i didn't watch it for 40 years and it was terrible but it is oh. funny the people in the creature movies are always so weird they're always <laughs> so um, oh my lord this uh, is bad their own problem. Yeah. <laughs> anyway so be but it. the uh, a cheap plug for us. In the early years, we had Ben Chapman on the show who played the creature from Black Lagoon on the Land. Really? And, uh, oh, he oh was man, the it was such guy. a great uh, experience to have him on. And he was very sick. And uh, I remember calling him up and like he was on oxygen. I was like, we can reschedule this. And he's like, no, let's do it before I croak. <laughs> and uh, and then when he came on, he really lit up. was very just oh, a super he was nice so guy. Great. And yep. Troy used to do caricatures of all the guests, and he really liked his. And he's like, "Can you send me like several copies?" So I did, and so he kept one for himself. And then he sent, he autographed them all personally and sent them back. So Troy has one of his own, which is yeah, really cool because Troy drew it and then he signed it and stuff. So. Yeah, that's beautiful. What a what a wonderful legacy. I mean, 
That's and then that was one of my proud moments too, because he said he had me on the wall with like yeah. he had like a Frazetta painting of the creature and wow. you know like all these like amazing people. I think he had a uh, Jack Davis and and uh, me like and you come were. on, man, you oh know. that's awesome. That is <laughs> I love it. Man, listen, there's a quiet over the room because we're all just thinking about it. <laughs> yeah. What a, uh, what a beautiful... Still one, I, one of the best scenes ever in a movie is oh. the under, when he when he's parallel swimming with yes. the with the woman. I mean, it's beautiful and it's creepy and it's just great. Yeah. Although you couldn't say that in the interview because that wasn't him. That was No, creepy. no, exactly. Oh, right, right. Yeah. Uh, no, that he's telling us because he couldn't see through the eye holes. He smacked the actress against, like, the set. He's like, oh, no, I'm going to lose my job now. Uh, yeah, from what I understand, they had a little bit, I think when they got a little older, not so much, but uh, they had a little bit of a rivalry, I think, uh, Rico Browning and Adventure. Uh, well, one of them was like half the size, right? Wasn't right. Rico? That really was Rico, bad? yeah. Because I think he had to be really thin to do all, you know, to swim. And and I remember uh, as a geek, your the the chest plates are slightly different. So oh yeah. <laughs> tell that they were, you know, all this bullshit. It's so wonderful. Well, I mean, come on, it's just the coolest. Oh, oh yeah, that's the balls. Yep. Yeah. So sweet. Love it. The texture on that's nice. But poor Annabelle was talking what? about her purple dinosaur. No, 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 no. <laughs> Barney the purple. No, it was, I what, know what are you talking about? They're not dinosaurs. <laughs> They're cool panthers. And if I was in better condition, you'd be able to see them. <laughs> <laughs> we'll save it for next time here. Oh, next I didn't notice. Time, yes, everybody's going to have their. They're going to be waiting for the moment. <laughs> Counting down the hours. <laughs> so uh blackout uh um how will it be are you gonna do festivals like uh what, what are the plans for it oh no i'm world premiering in a month at uh oh sweet very sweet and then i hope to get it right out because my thing is like i just want to get out to the public and have people enjoy it or not but um you know I, it's hard to play the festival game, and now I'm an old timer, so I'm not a fresh experience. I just want to make these films the way I see them and um, let people enjoy them or not. But, uh, you know, it's tough. There's a lot of great new talent, and I want everybody to have their moment. But I also want to just get my own films out there. Yeah. So that's the hope. Uh, I'll do this great. Very excited to be at Fantasia. I've been there for many, many years. Uh, but this is my first premiere up there, and then uh, hopefully get it right out to the public for them to enjoy, and uh, and then on to my next <laughs> my next <laughs> up, which I mean, it's ridiculous to talk about your next movie when you haven't even put out. This movie, but no. I, I don't know. I just kind of want to yeah keep this itch of having yeah. all my monsters in one movie. I mean. What would be the uh, mummy movie, or what? What do you have for plans for the next one? Everyone says that. No, it's all the monsters together. Oh, uh, I see. I see. Oh. I thought you meant the next would be another. Uh, oh, so they're all going to be connected. No, I'm not going to keep making Universal monster movies. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be down with it. I'd, yeah. I'd watch them all anyway. Uh, yeah, like I love the idea of my my take on a mummy movie would be like he's a sad mummy. He's got mummy problems. <laughs> I don't know. Mummy issues, you know. 
He's an introspective mummy. <laughs> <laughs> Well, there are I'm a sold. lack of. Come on, I'm, I'm good with this. There are a lack of cool mummy movies. I think, like the original oh, yeah. ones, are great. But I like don't the... like the original. I find the original very tiresome. When I was little, I was so impatient. I was like the first seven minutes, and then I'm like, "What happened to that?" <laughs> yeah, where's my mummy? Boris Karloff and you know being in love with this. I couldn't follow any of it. It drove me insane. In fact, I like the Tom Tyler movies better. You know when it was. Uh, but the whole series I did like a movie called The The Incredible Faceless Man have you ever seen that Hmm, who was uh, in Pompeii (laughs) so he was uh, you know in stone uh, in Pompeii or whatever the lava incident and uh, then he came back to life and that intrigued me as a child Hmm. That was a similar kind of mummy creature. Yeah, yeah. I'll the, have to look into that one. I think the, have, have to track that down. I don't know yeah. if it even exists anymore. Yeah, yeah. I think the called the faceless man that came out in 2019. I am sure that is not the same movie. Yeah. No, I no. The, like the mummy and uh, tales from the dark side movie is very cool looking. I love that one too, Neil. Yeah, yeah and uh, and Monster Squad mummy's cool looking. Oh uh, yes. Fantastic. Yeah. Well, Christopher Lee is the mummy in the hammer and, and one. Too. Here's a trivia. I know you guys will know it, but uh, mm-hmm. you know Romero wanted to make a mummy movie. Oh. And in uh, Diary of the Dead, which I always like, a lot of people just dismiss it, but it's his kind of uh, VHS. Uh, it's his found footage. Yeah, found footage. Right, right. It starts with a bunch of filmmakers making a mummy movie <laughs> oh oh his way of tipping his hat to his old ambition and yeah. then, but what's cool about that movie i'm a real defender of diary of the dead everyone says oh that's just like a nothing burger but i'm like oh it's so cool uh because it's really about social media and um the beginning mm-hmm. He was, uh, once again, always kind of thinking ahead. He saw yeah. the implications of video. And so, I don't know. I love that movie. And mm-hmm. I find it a guilty pleasure. I rewatch it. I don't think I've ever seen it. I'm going to have to watch it. Yeah, I yeah, remember I at the time. I, 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 I would it. like to rewatch it. I know Troy actually always was a fan of the movie. Yeah, yeah. What's that? Uh, Troy's always been a fan of it, too. Yeah. Diary of the Dead. Oh, nice to hear. Yeah. And I get a beat down from everybody. Yeah. <laughs> that's not where it's at and i'm like right. oh come right. on hey uh what are they called you know when we get together and feel bad about ourselves <laughs> exactly we'll get a little emo pity party going we'll be yeah. fine you know uh, larry and i'll be like ah yes, screw those guys the the dead fan. exactly <laughs> I'm, I'm there i'm gonna yeah <laughs> this is a movie i want to make a short film with just Larry and Troy just being mopey, like ah, <laughs> screw yeah. those guys. They don't what know. About, what about that scene? <laughs> <laughs> and there was a mummy in the movie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> zombie movie, but there's a mummy. <laughs> God damn. So that's what happened, right? This is yeah, exactly. I'm sure it will happen. 
So I'm very excited about Blackout. I've heard good things. Oh, yeah. I like Can't your film. So, uh, yeah. And I like a lot of people in the movie. Barbara Crampton again. Yeah. Can't mm -hmm. go wrong. Oh, former guest James Legro is in the movie, too. Was James on your show? Yeah, yeah. Talking about what? Um, he had he. It wasn't even a horror movie. He had made. I forget the name of the movie right now. I'm sorry, but he had made a. It's like a weird, uh, comedy drama movie at the time. It had a lot of cool people in. Yeah. And um, but yeah, it was really interesting guy. It was a cool interview. Oh, he's great. Well, he's a pal, and he's been in a lot of my films, you know. Uh, and uh, he's great in Blackout. I mean, everyone's in Blackout very briefly because of the werewolf nature. It's always sort of. Oh, okay passing through, but I have Kevin Corgan, Joe Swanberg, uh, a lot of fun actors you see briefly, and Jeremy is awesome. Uh, yeah, Mike is Jeremy. Yeah, and um, which uh, people don't know, James LeGros was, uh, he's in Phantasm 2, he's the only mm. actor who plays Mike besides uh, the original. Oh, oh no kidding. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It was a good trivia for the night, I like that. Yeah. Well, yeah, and the sweet thing is when we were um, hanging out with Angus, he would come to events, and so James and Angus had a reunion uh, oh, at our event. Nice. Wow. It was just so gratifying to see everybody oh. together. Yeah, that's mad cool. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Phoenix, Oregon was the name of uh, the movie. But, uh, oh, okay. I believe he made the movie. Yeah, yeah. It was very cool. It was a very weird uh, movie. You know. Anyway, seek it out. It's cool. That's fantastic. Well, yeah. I should watch it. Yeah. You know, what is this shirt? My shirt? Yeah. I'm sorry. Uh, it it really has like... nothing to do with anything. No, you well, got to read the, the top. Read the top. Oh, well, it does have a lot to do with stuff. It's uh, hide your bananas, boys. Here comes okay. Psycho Ape. That's good advice. Yes, and it does have something to do because uh, I am producing the sequel, and we just launched the the uh, crowdfunding campaign, and we oh, nice. raised I think thirteen hundred in the in a few hours. I don't wow. might be up it might be up higher now, so I'm very excited. Yeah, starring wow. my buddy Bill Whedon, who we mentioned earlier. What are you saying? Sorry, Annabelle. That's fantastic. Well, uh, good luck with that, Mike. Thanks. Bill Whedon, Kansas Bowling. Uh, what were you saying, Annabelle? Sorry. Nothing. I was just saying I saw that the line on your shirt, and I just kept uh, looking at it. I'm like, I'm just going to keep being distracted as long as I don't know what the hell is going on. Yeah. Going it was very weird, too. Saturday, I was in Chinatown in Boston, and I was at this uh, little barbecue place, and this old Asian guy, he had a yellow shirt, and the wall was Asian. Uh, well, the wall was uh, yellow. <laughs> and I was like, your shirt matches the wall. And he said, well, in my culture, yellow signifies joy, and you should wear more yellow, and it will fill you with, with joy. I was like, oh, interesting. Then I came home Monday, and this shirt was in the mail, and it was yellow. And I was like, And you're all pretty tied joyous together. today. So yes, I'm going to be filled with joy. So, yeah. It's sort of a joyous day. I don't know what it is about yep. this day. Okay. Yeah. So wear more yellow. But th that'll ruin the vibe of your movies if they're all joyous. <laughs> well, that's but you gotta have a little joy in order to show the horror. That's true. Without the con, if everything's, uh, you yeah. have to have the contrast. You have to have your ups to, to show the downs. And, and one guy have, with a yellow shirt. Yellow is nice, but it looks even better with a little splatter of red. If you know my mm. name. Oh, so, there you go. 
So when we see a yellow shirt in your film, we're going to just go, that was the moment. <laughs> <laughs> That'll, yeah. that we'll all That's just like, smile and say, this was the moment. Hey. When Troy and Larry get together, they're talking about, look at the mummy scene and die, they're dead. That'll be us. We're like, look at that yellow shirt in, in that movie. That's because of this interview. Absolutely. <laughs> and we'll be all be very excited. So, uh, <laughs> so if people are uh, looking forward to, to Blackout, we'll be at Fantasia Fest. Um, where can they follow that or you to see like where it goes from there? Uh, GlassEyePicks.com and whatever. I don't know. Find us on Instagram and all that. We're everybody. Uh, we're yeah. everybody. No, we're, we do all that shit. Uh, <laughs> Instagram and uh, Twitter. We love Elon Musk. <laughs> and, uh, and, um, yeah, but uh, our website is filled with funny goodies and we do a lot of stuff. I produce movies and acting stuff. As you know, because that's why we're really here, Brooklyn Forty Five. So, yeah, uh, Brooklyn Forty Five. Honestly, not just you're here. I'm a big fan yeah, of the movie. movie. I'm glad uh, all of us liked it. Yeah, and uh, that's on Shutter. Um, you didn't I don't steer me wrong, movie. brother Clem. You told me I'd like it, and I did. Yeah, I like. Uh, I also like that it's. Uh, this happens a lot at, at festival movies, where it's a movie that's got uh, it. It it's uh, several genres into one. Or it doesn't really just fit into one genre, and a lot of times, like the big releases, they they have to be like fit in a certain box. And I like movies that can be, you know, all different things at one. At well, the same I hope time. you uh, I hope you do check out uh, Blackout because it's that kind of thing. It's really the portrait of a guy who's at the end of his rope, but mm -hmm. he's got a problem that you're not going to see in a normal indie film. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, I'm looking forward to that one. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's it's kind of uh, sweet. Oh, so you know the star is Alex Hurt. He's the son of William Hurt. Oh, hey! Oh, so that's, that's cool. cool. Yeah, and William Hurt's in the movie in photographs. Wow! So, uh, it's kind of William Hurt's last movie, to be honest. Interesting. Cool. Uh, but also, I uh, hope your listeners will watch, uh, listen to uh, Tales from Beyond the Pale. I well, you got three of us at will anyway. So. Absolutely, will. dude. That's it, to us. That's gonna like double our audience. <laughs> <laughs> I can't there wait. Was, I, I, there was only so one and a half before. In <laughs> all the episodes. <laughs> oh, well, that's very exciting. And it would be. Uh, I would love to if you're into it coming back after uh, we get to see Blackout. Mm. Oh, I would yeah. love. And, then I'll be a real person. <laughs> She'll oh, prove she's a real person. I'll have the AI perfected by them. I want to see Annabelle in real life. Right now, you're like a little. It's it is like the, the red eye and uh. It's like how I'll believe yeah. Annabelle can be a real girl in the next episode. <laughs> I can't wait to be there. <laughs> The only problem with yellow, I've got to be careful not to spill coffee on, on myself. Ooh. If I wear black, you, you don't really notice it. That's, yeah. uh, that's why I uh, keep it dark. Everybody thinks people wearing dark are trying to be cool. We're really just slobs. No, that's, yeah, that's, that's nice. That's my secret. That fits me perfectly. Slobs and rulers. <laughs> 
That's why I grew the beard. It protects a little bit. It's a, it, oh, it's yeah. a flavor saver. But yeah. Beard really can, can, uh, compares to Troy's beard. So. No. Well, especially now that mine's blue. And yeah. I, maybe I did it for that, too. So if I spill something in it with the with the white uh, beard, the Gandalf oh. beard, you can see everything. Yes, that's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I am very jealous of that beard. It's pretty cute. <laughs> Troy has great hair. He Although, does. Yeah, we're br- we're brothers, but uh, he has much better hair than me. Oh, that's true. Yeah, but you got the voice, you know. I I sound like know, a homeless got... crack addict, from home, <laughs> you yeah. know. And you got the smooth, subtle book, uh, fights, you know. The real issue is that Neil has a nice, uh, beautiful little backdrop, and then that's true. Like he has a torture den. <laughs> I, yeah, I got. Just like he likes I it. I got like a, you know, Guardians of the Galaxy popcorn tub, and that's about it. <laughs> <laughs> that's about all I got to bag here. Well, what is back there? like a... You don't want to know. That's my weird that? painting things. Oh, are, nice. Yeah. Very upsetting back there. On and on, there could be so many nooks and crannies and people chained up in this and that. Yeah, yeah well, pay no attention to the people way back there. Just, look at the cityscape here. You know, Man, you must have seen blood sucking freaks. <laughs> I try to forget, but. That's probably what's going on in the background. You're saying this was Troy's life. Yeah, <laughs> it was Troy's lair. It was, it was, a, it was based off Troy's life. But yeah. yeah, that's, you know. The real story. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, I think we're exposing too much of ourselves. Yeah, that's oh, true. That's true. Enough. The investigation <laughs> happens. Oh, the viewers are right. monsters and our little toys. But now we're getting into some uh, more incriminating <laughs> information. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's been wonderful to talk to you again, and we'll do this oh, again. Larry, always a pleasure. Always great to talk to you. It was really you. good to semi-meet you, Larry. Yeah. I, I, I joined at least a little bit. Oh, yeah. It was great to have you. We'll see you next time. In that would be great. That would be great. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye. All right. Good night, everybody. Good night. Good job. Uh, you guys want to come back after? Uh, Annabelle and Troy? I've got to go take care of the dogs. All right. So I will see you crazy kids next week. All right. You All right. good, Annabelle? Or? I can stay a little bit if All you don't right. mind talking to a. No, it's totally fine. <laughs> to the AI. All right. <laughs> All right, you guys have a great night. All right. And you as well. You. Thank you. All right. Let's see here. Uh, I'll play a quick uh, song here from Timothy Fife if you want to grab something to drink. And then we'll come back. Sure. Sounds right. like a plan, man. All right. We shall be right back. <laughs>
Hi, my name is Kevin Kepi, and I am your nightmare mom. And you are watching without your head, 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 head. Hey, and we're back here at the station of decapitation without your head. head are you? Head, accuser, accused. He is. He's a very cool guy. I'm a big fan. Really nice guy. And people should uh, see Smile. Huge fan of that movie. Yeah. So, so cool. yeah, Brooklyn Forty Five. I'm I, earlier, but was that? yeah, that Sorry. was that was very fun. I'm glad I saw all of it, and uh, what a nice time! What what a couple of cool dudes. Yeah, really, uh, really nice guys. They were both on before, but it's very cool to have them on video. It's a whole new experience. Yeah. I, I didn't bring it up really, but when uh, Jeremy was on the first time was right after Ranger and was right around that time when he started, it was his first horror movie and just starting to get involved with like the horror community. And I remember him talking about, it. so it's it really cool to see that he's done this. He's really uh, embraced it. Yeah. He likes uh, he's working into it. Yeah. Ranger's cool. You should uh, check that out at some time. I will check it out. I'll put it on my list. Yeah. And I'm a, and Larry, both of them are great guys. Larry's awesome. So. I have to say, they're saying they had to clean Larry up for the movie. I think Larry looks way cooler. His natural. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. He had great hand movements. I noticed you said that. Yeah. Yeah. Did you see? It was yeah. very like flowy and like. I have hey, to watch because I, I never really used my hands to talk a lot until we started doing video. Then it's like I have to move and keep yeah. things interesting. So I have to watch Larry to what learn. You say, keep it interesting. What happens when your hands don't move? Then it's just like I'm just sitting here stationary. Oh. That's why I see I have to have all these distractions because I don't want people, you know, this is boring. There's no one, this is disturbing and nasty. But then we get all this cool stuff going around. Oh. Keep their eyes you know, away from, from me. Yeah. So I'd mentioned, uh, so is that uh, the um, Pride Parade Saturday in Boston? And I'd mentioned to Jeremy. No one was there protesting, which made me very happy. Really? That's yes. amazing. That's awesome. I'm Great stunned. Not until I got on Facebook did people bitch about it. So. Uh, hey, but those people you choose to have on Facebook. So I'm just saying. I don't know. I can't imagine what uh, what your life's like if like a rainbow hat or anything like sets you off. It's very strange. It'd be a hard life. I mean, you'd really have to just disappear from most of society and just spend all your time watching 80 slashers and wrestling but <laughs> no, I was about... inside jokes it's not that you're cool if you watch slashers and like wrestling R.I.P. Yeah. Iron Sheik oh the Iron Sheik yeah the Iron Sheik passed away that's unfortunate yeah. Yeah. former guest I had him on uh, both shows on the wrestling show it was a very bizarre uh uh experience was our most hits ever at the time hung up on me got very mad and then um had him on without your head and it was actually a nice uh talk about his uh his um documentary out at that time and if anyone who watches it i think you see uh another side of him and understand some of his problems later in life and also very amazing life this guy led you know, he fled his home country, never saw his family again from his home country and made a new family here and wasn't allowed to compete in the Olympics because he wasn't an American uh, 
uh, in, in, in for the country, but he actually um, was a coach for the United States Olympic team. Oh, that's cool. Which is very cool before he got into professional wrestling. And wow. Interesting. Really wild life. What was his personality was like before he got into wrestling? From what I understand, he was a straight edge, was stayed away from uh, drugs and never drank or anything. And then um, uh, that changed quite a bit in wrestling. And, uh, you know, people, you know, part of it, you know, people laugh and stuff. And But, you know, he became an addict and, you know, changed his life quite a bit. He got very old, though. Yeah, he lived uh, into his 80s. Yeah. A lot of health problems. Yeah. You know, but still lived a long time. Reinventing himself. Yeah. I mean, a lot of that that character, if it wasn't for that, he wouldn't have, uh, you know, been booked on things and been on Stern and everything. So yeah, he might have had a normal life. Right. <laughs> he was training people for the Olympics. I know. It could have been an amazingly lovely life. Mm-hmm. He took the, the fame, fame and pain road. Fame and pain. Yep, very very cool, interesting person, and uh, honestly, for like his, great he was with his wife for like forty something years, right? Yeah, his wife that he had in the states. Yeah. Yeah. So we had talked about uh, cool remakes earlier. Yes. And I just saw the uh, Bloom House. Who uh, there are ones that I like, but most of them I'm not a big. But anyway, they're remaking Christine, which. I know people love it's so funny because it's one of um classic movie I've never seen. Really? Um I think it's one of the better the better king horror adaptations of yes. or that era. Yes. And so I'm wondering if I should not see if I should just keep on keeping on with my many years of never watching it and watch the new one. Mm. And then go and, back. Uh, yeah, and then go back. And this is going to be blasphemy, and I'm no way saying Christine's a bad book. But some of the changes for the movie, I actually kind of prefer to the to the novel. I read the novel recently, oh, in like the last couple of years. And there are some stuff that they took out for the movie version. I think it made it a little... I, I liked it better. I can't say it's better, because that's the original, you know, how Stephen King intended it, but... But they are, they are very different. They're very similar, but a very, very different. The book... Goes into me- more detail of what Christine is. Mm-hmm. Uh, the old, I won't give it because yeah, you haven't seen the movie. But the the character he buys the car from is is much more involved in the in the book. Mm-hmm. Much different. Mm-hmm. Maybe I, yeah, I don't know what I'll, I don't know what I'll do. But I, I there's a lot of Stephen King. I read, excuse me, a lot of Stephen King as a kid, mm-hmm. and kind of faded away after uh, his writing style changed a lot. There's some really great uh, recent ones. I need to get back in and revisit Mr. King. So the um, and, but this just in general, instead of remaking successful uh, version um, adaptations of his, like yes. I didn't understand why you even would remake Pet Cemetery because I think the original one is a really great adaptation of the novel. Yeah. And it works on every level, I think. So why, I mean, what are you going to do better? And I don't think they did anything better. So I don't think it was successful. Just take advantage of the name. That's it. Yeah. So remake, there are ones that aren't that great. You could remake or remake stuff or just make stuff that's not been done before. Because there, I know we just saw Boogeyman weren't big fans, but there's a lot of stories that have not been made into film yet. Sure. 
Why would why do you think the boogeyman is the one that got made? Uh, it's interesting because, um, from understanding the story is super short, mm -hmm. and from what I I've not read it yet, so I need to read it. From what I've been told, like the story isn't that. It's almost like the movie's like a sequel to the original story. So I, I don't know. I don't know. It's probably somehow they got the rights to it and, and made it. I don't know. Hmm. Maybe he so requested weird. someone make it. Yeah, I don't. I have no idea. I don't know what the backstory was there. Yeah. I would like someone to make a heart-shaped box into a movie. That's a joke. A joking. Um, yeah. Joe Hill story. That's a whole other bunch of things that I'm not going to probably get into because I've got stuff like. Fessenden's cool ass tales from beyond the pale. I I like those. I do like um books are cool, but I don't know. I've really got into these audio dramas. Um actually it was I I used to like um like my grandmother would get tapes of like the shadow and stuff like that and so I kind of got into that for a little while and I got like a, a book on tape of Family Opera and some other stuff and it was really cool. But that was a big lull of none of that. And then Lawrence Harvey actually recommended um, some stories, uh, some uh, cool stories for Halloween. And ever since then, that was in COVID and ever since then, I've just always been on the hunt for good audio horror drama stuff when James Lamont just came on and was talking about his. Yeah. But he's only got a few out, so you can blast through three episodes yeah. pretty quick. But Tales from Beyond the Pale. Yeah, you gotta look at this. Um, this Just even looking at the website, you know, it's really beautiful. Yeah, I check this out I, after the I, show. I'm really looking forward to uh, diving into these. Yeah. Yeah, it's exciting. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. Really and a really cool guy. So I'm glad Larry. I'm glad you got to uh, meet him here on the show. Yeah. So uh, Terrifier three, we've talked a lot about. Um, they just announced uh, recently that's going to have a uh, much wider release than the second one. Mm, I wonder what's going to happen with this, because you'd mentioned that he had asked that Damien had asked the the fans if they wanted things to Excellent. go a little bit differently. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, the thing is, if a movie does have more money behind it, yeah. uh, you know, they've overlooked the the graphic the graphicness of the movie. So, uh, you know, with the success of the last one, and it's got a bigger budget, it's probably more likely that they'll be more lenient to give it a wider release if it's very graphic. But I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. It's interesting. I just feel like it's... We'll see what happens. Are the people that put the money in it going to, I mean, are these people investing in it because they think that, wow, that movie was so awesome and we want more of it? Or are they like, this seems like a good investment. And at the same time, it has to have a certain rating or we won't, and, and try to go at it from an advertisements, an advertiser's point of view, you know, like a marketing yeah. point of view. Because if they're going to have it all over the country, they're going to want to have the broadest appeal. The broadest appeal is to, water it down that's the broadest appeal yeah because even though I, i'm not sure if was the last one even rated r or was it unrated it used to be an unrated movie oh, it, it was really hard to get it even released but i do think no that's a way. little different today there's no way that was rated r 
So no, if they want an R-rated version, it'd have to be less graphic. Yeah. Now, there's no way you could put out a PG-13 version. I think the fans would really, you know, yeah, be but against that. Would have so. their millions of dollars to make their movie. So and you know. I personally don't know if you need to make it even more graphic. Like there's a, there isn't there is a limit. <laughs> you know, as long as it's entertaining and stuff. But so I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. I'm trying to see if there's a rating. It's rated R. Terrifier 2 is rated R. Oh, really? Wow. Yeah. I don't think like that would... that. I'm very shocked, really. Yeah. I don't know. What what could you do more to get, to get like... Uh, to be like, this is too this is too gory or too Yeah, gory. I don't know. That's very strange. Was Terrifier 2, when it was rated in October, was not rated. Oh, maybe now I don't know. So I don't know how that happens, but apparently it did happen. Yeah, very curious. So, um, we mentioned the thing, you know, is a great remake, and I don't think a lot of people even realize it's a remake, but that's fine. But the um, yeah, he hinted in, in an interview recently that he wants to do a part two. Who's doing part John two? Carpenter? That John Carpenter wants to do a, that maybe he's interested in doing a sequel to the thing. Interesting. Which is, I'd be really interested what the idea is. Like, is it in modern day? Are the did the two characters just live in Antarctica for for decades? Yeah, I'm wondering. You know, when we interviewed all the people for the thing way back, like mm -hmm. at least ten years ago. I think it was Peter was talking about, he was great. And he was talking about some of the, the process on set and that it sounds like part of what made the thing, the thing. I love John Carpenter. He's his movies okay. are, are definitely my favorite horror. I just love it. Um, but this guy had said that part of it was John having everybody basically sit in a room together for long stretches of time to just come up with ideas. Like how would someone react in this way and that way? And I think that's an amazing idea to get your actors invested. But I also wonder like if that would be part of what would happen in, a, in an upcoming movie because is that part of the magic of what made the thing the thing? Not to take away from John Carpenter, but I thought yeah. that was a really cool story and it informs like, well, what will the thing be? Yeah, it's really like, you know, do you even have the original characters in it? Uh, do you do a sequel right after the first one and it's in that in the 80s? Do you do a sequel today? And like I said, they're either in Antarctica or is it the aftermath of whatever happened? I don't know. It's like there's a lot of different, or is it just a new story and it's like vaguely even connected? Uh, you know, I, I, I don't think there's much, you know, info out there. So it's, yeah. Hmm. I'd be interested in what happens, but seems like he's wanting to do stuff because he uh, Carpenter also. Uh, I saw this that he's uh, Pepe Potit sent this to us that uh, he's got a video game coming. Yeah, I saw that. Commando. I saw that. It's pretty pretty bad. He loves video games. That's the thing. John Carpenter is a huge gamer. Yeah, I didn't know this until I was reading this. That's pretty huge weird. Gamer loves basketball, loves westerns. Like he's he's an interesting. I don't, he's not a stereotype, that's for sure. Mm -hmm. Which is pretty, is pretty cool. Yeah. It's like a full-fledged, real human being. It's crazy. Right. You'd mentioned uh, um, Bloodsucking Freaks? Yes, sir. And uh, 
it's funny you mention that because I wrote this down earlier. It's really exciting. Is uh, Liam Re- Regan has been on the show, made uh, Bloody My Bloody Banjo, which I'm a big fan of, mm-hmm. and his new film Eating Miss Campbell, which I've not seen yet, which it played in uh, England when I was out there. So it's making its drive-in premiere July 14th in Pennsylvania, and it's playing along with Blood Sucking Freaks. No way. Yeah. How did that match get made? I have no idea. But it's like, well, it's also the movie that must be played in conjunction with. Yeah, it's the and class of Newcom High too. So it's a, oh, a triple feature. Is that the one we saw? In, uh, no, that was Return to Newcom oh, High. So this is like the eighties. I forget. I'm not mm-hmm. sure. But here's the little it's quite thing a sandwich. It. Look at that. Oh my goodness! Meat director Liam Regan eating Miss. Uh, Campbell Tromathon 2023. Oh, Oof. it's hard to see blood sucking freaks as a Tromathon, but yeah, yeah, on the inside scoop. Mm-hmm. Saturday, they're playing the taint. Read. <laughs> the taint. You had a great shirt for the oh. taint, it was covered in penises, and Neil had no idea until we were doing a, a I don't even know, it was, it was a, a traveling video, yeah. Neil had this really great shirt. It was like this very bold, giant pink skull, like all squiggly and stuff. And it was super, super bright pink skull. Yeah, it's like this and color pink. Taint. Yeah. And then I'm looking at it. I'm like, holy shit, that skull's all made out of tiny penises. Yeah, I didn't realize it. And I'd worn it. And we weren't like, we were in a small town in, uh, near Woodstock, where it's like normal mm-hmm. people. And I'd worn it all day and didn't realize it. And then uh, you, I even have a still of it from the video, and we're just like, you're like pointing. When we, it's yeah. like the moment we realized uh, what what the shirt was. It's a great so, shirt. So years later, I had the director on, yeah, and I felt uh, I very sad. He's a very nice guy, but I was very sad because he regrets making the taint. <gasps> Why? Because he's just like he was a different person then, and he felt like it was oh. like like misogynist. I think. And so, was it? I never saw it, so what do you think? No, I mean, uh, not to me. I mean, it's a crazy exploitation comedy horror, we- you know, weird movie. Of its day. Yeah, and it's not that old. I mean, it was like 2010 or something. But... Oh, really? Well, I guess yeah. it's not that old. Mm-hmm. Well, that's unfortunate he feels that way, but I suppose. Yeah. I liked it, but... So... Uh, Tuesday we did a, uh, a screening of the of Senseless from Trash Arts, and um, I really thought that's people should check that out. Senseless is uh, I had to take it down because I can't have the movie up, but uh, the Q and A will be up by itself. But Senseless, uh, I, I like the Trash Arts guys, but I I think this is their best movie. Wow, that says a lot. I loved it. Cool. It's very weird, very very strange. Yeah, it's definitely not gonna be for everybody. It's a really slow burn. It's a movie. It's a you just gotta sit back and watch because there's a there's about forty minutes where not I'm gonna say nothing happens, but you, there's no dialogue and stuff for a long time. It's a very strange, weird movie, mm. very visual. I think it would be a really cool movie to see in a theater. Interesting. So where can people find this? Oh, uh, there's a there. It's uh, on Blu-ray, and I believe it's on Tubi. Or it's no, it's coming to Tubi. It's not on Tubi. Yet. It's coming to Tubi, and it, uh, there's a Blu-ray release. Yeah, I check. I would uh, suggest. He says, uh, 
you, you should eat mushrooms and watch it. But I watch it totally, totally sober, and I, I wasn't too. So. Yeah, I've got. I'm weird enough. My brain's got enough going on for it. I can't even imagine, honestly. Honestly, I just heard someone, someone, uh, someone uh, who I work. I'll just say who I work with, who is telling these crazy stories about experiences and like i would so be the person who just jump out of the window and think i could fly like that would be me or or i'd have flashbacks of like i already think about monsters and it scares me i'm gonna like have visions and be the person that can't go out and no i just can't i can't mess with any of that shit it's too scary for me dorp the John Carpenter game uses shot through the heart for the trailer. It's not quite the music I think of for Carpenter Productions. He is a metal guy, so I can see that. It doesn't... Shot work. through the heart and you're to blame you give love. Is that the song I'm thinking of? Is that the right song? Maybe. I think I was thinking of the wrong song. Hmm. I'm try- no, I think I'm uh, thinking of uh, you give you love, love a bad name. So. No, I have to know. No, you're right. All right. <laughs> John Bowie. John Bowie. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I remember. I know all those songs because when I was in the in sixth grade, Thanks. the uh, girls were infatuated with Bon Jovi, and they brought the 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 uh, tape, the cassette tape, every day on the bus, and the bus driver would play it every single day on the bus, and I heard the the. You know what? It's not the song you think it is, but it is a Bon Jovi song. It just tells you a lot about the era of music. I was thinking Shot in the Dark by Ozzy Osbourne, Mm. which is a great song and be super cool. But even still, that being said, he is he's like a very rock and roll metal guy. Um, Whoa, nice. That was the senseless poster. Huh. Pretty cool. So yeah, I'm curious about seeing the trailer though. I'd like to, I'd like to see it and see just how ill-fitting it is because it. Dorps right, right. It's probably 100% correct that it does not exactly match up. I just want to mention this oh, Freaky Secrets tour. Uh, they're doing a uh, my buddy Lucky Saruti, who I was wearing the shirt the other day. Um, so he's doing a tour of the Northeast. It's playing a bunch of places. His movie Freak, which I'm a big fan of, that actually played at uh, at mm. our feature film festival, Bloody Stumps. And his new movie, which I've not seen, uh, The Secret of Cuck Island. Of what? Uh, the Secret of Cuck Island. I have no Cuck idea. Island, what this huh? Yeah. So his two, Freak's great. Freak's very weird, crazy oh, movie. Weird. And... Um, so uh so anyway the the Boston one is that a secret location. So you have to either message Lucky or if you're fr- if you're if you're uh, if you're afraid of Lucky you can message me he gave me permission to give the the details out to people who ask. Um I hope to be there. It's uh June 27th on a Tuesday, 7 p.m. $10 you get to see both movies. And I almost said where was that, but I can't say where it's at. But it's a cool location that I've never been to. Somewhere in Boston. It is in Boston. There you go. A struggling Brooklyn gig economist must expose a corporate eugenics conspiracy before they get him by the balls. You know what a cuck is, right? Yes, yes. Believe me, every and the rest of the community calls everyone cucks. Yeah. Cucking it up for everybody. Yeah. That's a that's a very overused term right now, cucks, but. 
But I'm sure it works in this. I don't know if too many. I don't hear it really that much. Uh, yeah, well, you're probably not hanging out with. Not that I'm hanging out with right wing people, but they use the term all the time. Yeah, that's that's fine. That's fine. Yeah, I wonder what this movie's gonna be. It's Cuck Island thing. I don't know. Both his other movies. Oh, he also made the movie. It's I got had a the... great cover. It's like one of those. Um, what's that country? It's like it's a kind. It's become a, a joke of itself. Uh, they're a country that. Oh, I know what you really mean. Yeah. Shit yeah. Horror movie covers that have nothing to do with the movie. Actually, a freak oh, right that. here. Lucky signed this for me. Indonesia? I'm not sure. I know what you mean. I think you can. There's actually people online that will make you uh, covers in that vein. But the, he also did this movie, which I love. Uh, I mentioned this yeah, the other week. Um, cool. Uncle Sleezo's Toxic and Terrifying TV Hour. Nice. I think you would like his movies. Uncle Sleezo. That name yeah. sounds familiar. Who yeah, is he's. It? I think you would. I'll get. We'll get Lucky back on. You'd like him, I think. Uncle Suzo. Yeah, he's a creepy dude who. Um, he's like the he's he, he's like the host. He's kind of like the crypt keeper of of like a. So yes. th this this movie is an anthology of, sh of short stories, but it's presented like you're watching a TV show. So Uncle Suzo is is presenting it. And and I then he just become friends with this person. It's uh, great, and then it's even filled with fake TV commercials. The whole thing cool. really is awesome. I really like it. Very creative, ton of stuff going on for super low budget movie, but I Very love it. Cool. Excellent. And I'm I'm uh, thrilled that the there's a, a new Leprechaun movie being made. I saw a picture from that. Do you have one available to slap up? I do not. I'll grab it. But I thought that one picture that I saw looked pretty cool. The thing is, the leprechaun never looked bad. The leprechaun in the old leprechaun movies look cool. And they picked a, oh, a great guy to play him, but the movies are, are garbage. But he wasn't... I didn't think he was scary. You goofy. The I new mean, one, yeah. I think, actually looks scary. I'll send it oh, to okay. you. Okay. But I, I know a, a Robin Anderson will yell at me, but uh, I'm not a fan of. Of what? Of uh, the the, uh, the Leprechaun films, especially the uh, people say, "Well, the original one's greatest." Not. It might be the worst one. <laughs> of and I think Leprechaun in the Hood is the best one. Is this a real? Is this from the new one? This might be from the. I think this is from the newer one, which I've not seen. Oh, whatever this the is. newest one was made cool. by one of the guys we had on the show a couple times from uh, Astron 6. Oh, yeah? Yeah, nice. we should probably watch it. Maybe it's good. That would be cool. That movie was great. What is this? Leprechaun Origins? There's a lot of Leprechaun movies, apparently. Yeah. Dang. I remember a few years ago, I tried to watch... I really had not seen... I hadn't seen Leprechaun in... 20 years or something like that. And, I think we uh, saw it uh, at Coolidge actually together. Maybe, maybe. I don't know if yeah, that was, this was yeah. years ago, though. Yeah, I was probably asleep. So I tried to just watch <laughs> them. There was like a marathon or whatever. I'm like, I want to watch this. And it's like uh, freaking torture. It was horrible. It was horrible. I had that to... first movie stinks. People say it's a classic, but it's bad. It's just a very bad movie. It's not even funny. It's bad. 
Leprechaun Origins. Leprechaun that one's crap. really bad. Uh, Leprechaun Origins, that's the WWE one. Oh, dear. How about Leprechaun Returns? Because that Leprechaun looks cool. Is that the newest one? 2018? It must be. Yeah, that's the one by the guy from Astron 6. I've not seen that one. Oh. I like the guy. Uh, yeah, you I'll met him uh, at Buff. It was, I didn't go that year. Yeah, they're cool. I like them. Yeah, so it's just the one guy, the younger guy, I believe. I don't know who is younger. One has dark hair, one does not. The guy with um, no facial hair, I believe. Yeah. Oh, what is his name? Matt. Oh, yeah, that is pretty creepy. Yeah, I should watch it because I, I genuinely I like cool. all this stuff. You got to share it with the peoples. All right, give me a sec. Boom. Look at that. I love it. I think that looks pretty sweet. It does. All right, so we're getting the approval for Leprechaun Returns from the side as well. Mm -hmm. You want to see something really cool by my buddy Ams? Want to see something really scary? Sure. Let me get his name here. He's making this movie Space Goblins. <gasps> I already like it. Ams Overton. Uh, and so he sent me a lot of pictures I posted uh, months ago, but he sent a, uh, a, 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 sh a new uh, teaser. So it's very short, but oh my god, look at this. An endless dark lead. A galactic spider's web. Two flies. Drifted space. That was so painfully loud. It was very loud. Our yeah. volume, I couldn't watch it. Oh, it, but, oh, the visuals are great. Overwhelmed and couldn't pay attention to it. So I'll have to watch that separately. It's wild. Lower volume. I'm sure wild. it's awesome, though. Yeah. I like the title. Uh, Dorp, Modern Leprechaun, Leprechaun vs. Crypto. The Leprechaun's cold hard currency is on the line against the Cabal of Crypto Bros. Nice. I wonder what will they be humans or will they be some kind of other monster? Hmm. I so I sold uh, what what are they NFT? I sold an NFT. Did you make money? Yeah, I made ten bucks. <laughs> twelve bucks, maybe twelve dollars. Twelve dollars, I think. Oh, crypto. But if 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 so, it's it's a it's an NFT of Backwoods Bob. Oh. So. If once End Zone Two has a physical release and and it it's got you know people are like holy shit. Um, that person who bought that NFT, they could resell it and resell it and resell it. There's only one of a kind. And every time they would resell it, every time we get they resell for more, I get a percentage of that. So in theory, I could I could just be making a fortune off this backwards bot NFT as the years go on. Weird. Or I could have just made that twelve bucks and that's it. There you go. Twelve bucks. You know, leprechaun. <laughs> then I tried to sell another one, no one ever bought it. But uh, <laughs> Leprechaun Origin sucked. From go. AJ Rita. AJ. Leprechaun Returns was good, though, he said. So. Yeah. Well, now I'm interested in Leprechaun Returns. <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't realize that would be so loud. But, I mean, it was just, uh, I don't know. It must just be the, the uh, vo volume on it. Is, uh... But anyway, you'll see it later. It's very cool. Yeah. It does. I feel bad I'm so out of it right now. But, say love you. We don't always have great nights. This has been a good show, though. Good. Guests are great. 
Yes, we're great. Uh, I want people to check out the new audio reviews by um, Diablo Joe. I oh. love these huge addition to Without Your Head. Yeah. They've been doing really well. The first one was quoted in all the unearthed um, when they put out the press release releases for their new movie. Mm -hmm. uh, they they quoted the the um, the Sound of Silence. I believe it's called. They quoted uh, they quoted the um, review the review yeah yeah it really blew up on instagram it's got a lot of hits on instagram that's right or 500 views on instagram reels joe's got it yeah it's pretty sweet He's very talented and he has a very distinctive voice so all things combined yeah, i'm loving these so Makes there's sense. three up huh there's three of them that are up yeah they're excellent excellent reviews i recommend them it was really cool. So we did. I put up the death metal one, and the director loved the review, and so uh, he wants to come on the show because of the review. Sweet. So that's great. Well, not next week, but the week after, he'll be on. Hopefully, he's not expecting us to be as uh, as refined as Joe. <laughs> we made a movie <laughs> called Death Metal. He's probably not a refined guy himself. So. Maybe Joe will come on sometime. Yeah, that'd be cool. Yeah. The Sound of Summer, I'm sorry, not The Sound of Silence. I had The Sound of Silence in my mind because I, I uh, recently made graphics for all the guests that did not have one, and one of them was for a movie called The Sound of Silence. Oh. So he's got that, Death Metal, and Sire, which is, a, I believe, a Korean oh. horror film. AJ, I do know what Twisted Metal is. I don't know if Neil does, but I have not seen the teaser for a Twisted Metal, the series, like a TV show? Um, yeah, so a uh, former guest of mine on my on my um, wrestling show, Samoa Joe, actually plays the clown character. Sweet Tooth. He plays Sweet Tooth. Yeah, I don't know anything about the game, but I see a lot of this because I'm in the oh, wrestling man. world. It's awesome. And uh, he play yeah he plays the uh, the clown character, uh, Sweet Tooth. Why isn't his head on fire? Well, maybe it does go on fire. That game was in my formative years. One summer, me and my friends got a whole bunch of free stickers from our, our town, and we cut them up to say, I am a contestant for Twisted Metal. It's basically, Neil, it's a very violent graphic game where you have a car that has some crazy, it's a goofy car that goes with your goofy characters. So Sweet Tooth is big ass, Evil Clown is riding around in a, in a monstrous ice cream truck. And I was cool. the scary creep Undertaker guy in his amazing hearse. And there was other guys too, but those are my my memories of those those guys. So, yeah, what was that? What was that guy's name? I should be able to remember that. I love that. Yeah, Ooh. I don't know anything about the game, but I thought it looked cool, and uh, Smojo looks cool. And sweet. You too. just attack each other the entire time. It's basically what you do. You drive around and attack each other and blow stuff up. It's pretty uh. Yeah, it's not an intellectual game. Right. It, I probably it, can't play it here, but uh, Caddy Hack looks really cool. What? Caddy Hack. Honestly, it looks very fun. It's a silly horror comedy that with like a killer gopher killing golfers. <laughs> it looks very funny. It's like the, you know, the gopher and Caddyshack. So it's like someone just took that part of the movie and made it into a horror film. Aha. Uh -huh. That sounds like it would be very fun. Yeah, the I love the trailer. 
Um, I had the idea of playing uh, trailers on here and us uh, watching them live, but so uh, Dylan Mars Greenberg set one. Thank you, Dylan. But uh, to test these out beforehand, I uh, upload them to the YouTube, and unfortunately, it got flagged uh, for the music, so uh, so I can't play it on the show, unfortunately. Oh, but it was, it was very cool. Uh, Psychic Vampires, I believe, is the name of the movie he said. But what can you do? Yeah. All right. Well, I'll, oh, I wanted to mention, I need to watch this on uh, Voodoo and Screenbox is Hollywood Dreams and Nightmares, the Robert England story. It's oh, a documentary about Robert England, which cool. I'm very excited about. Fascinating. I wonder if they'll talk about uh, his alligator movie experience. My name is Buck. That's the best part. Honestly, he's the best part of the movie. That is so true. Alive. I know some people out there be pissed, but I, I can't say I'm a big fan. But I do like Robert England in it. Yeah. Yeah, I do hope that it's, I mean, obviously, Freddy's iconic, a fantastic character and role. His performance is amazing. But it would be nice to, to uh, get some stories uh, from other things he's done. Yeah. Definitely. I'd like to know about about him just as a person. Like, was it like for him as a kid? I, I always love peop knowing people's backstories and not not yeah. just their fame, but yeah. knowing the backstories and where who is this person? Where did they come from? He's a super nice guy, right? Well, there's a lot of people who would have that level of celebrity and be a dick, but he's exactly. not. I was going to just mention that. And I won't mention other people I've seen at most people at conventions are very cool, but yeah. I've seen some that are very well known who will from what I understand, they come and leave and they have their own rooms. But um, Robert England is as big, honestly, for like living horror guys. Mm -hmm. He's up. He's like the Boris Karloff, whatever of our time, like way up there. Probably the biggest, I would say. And um, sometimes I've, I know from, uh, from people who run the convention, sometimes they have to tell him to like, not, 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 <laughs> not be so polite, but like he'll really spend a lot of time with everybody and the lines will be hours long and uh it's because he really genuinely enjoys beating the fans and talking to them and i think that's awesome i think it's awesome as well and i think it's really sad to see people complain about it because people will complain about his line mm -hmm. it's like you know what you're gonna get if you wait in that line you're gonna have like an actual experience yeah you're not just i mean you you know you're not just getting a guy's not looking at you and signs it and says hey thanks whatever <laughs> He's, yeah you're getting uh the moment they're with them, that's going to be a memory that will last you forever. Yeah. Yep. What are you going to do with that three hours otherwise? Right. Like hang out? And yeah. What? Yeah. You eat a hot dog? Home? I guess that's a slow hot dog, but you know. Slow hot dog. New band. <laughs> Having a three-hour moment with the hot I don't know what you're doing. I guess. What? Uh, what are you talking I, about? I don't meant you. I just meant in general if you were just like. No, I thought you were talking about your shirt about bananas again. <laughs> I didn't even I actually didn't even notice that until you mentioned <laughs> it. Uh AJ, I saw a movie called Deadware on Amazon that was good. All right, cool. That thank you actually. That's good to um let us know some stuff that's streaming. Oh, by by the way, I do want to ask some of these cuz I'd asked for questions and some people sent in questions. Let me get to these quick. Questions to ask the guests? No, who us. Not us. here? No, us. Oh, oh okay. Well, Thanks, Gar. Um, oh, Dobbs says hello. How are you? Thank you, Dobbs. We're well. I'm well. 
Uh, Lisa Sheets said, have a good show. Thank you, Lisa. Mm -hmm. So uh, Christian Calero wants to know, what is the better weapon in horror movies? There's so many to choose from. I mean, that's that's some of the better ones, like in Chainsaw terms is pretty of, cool. Of, yeah, Chainsaw is cool. But it's like, I guess it all depends. Well, I guess it's kind of like choosing your favorite animal, right? There's so many animals and there's so many reasons to choose them. So, But I do like the idea. Um, anytime I see something I haven't seen before is fun. Mm -hmm. So okay. like I've seen, you know, butcher knives and kitchen knives and I've seen chainsaw many times. Um, I like it when they use like hedge clippers. It's only been used a few times, but um, for anyone out there thinking of like doing a new, uh, honestly, this movie end zone two, uh, barbed wire wrap uh, football is pretty cool. Something cool. new, do something new. I think there maybe a golf club, I guess, in this new caddy hack movie. Maybe. Oh, perhaps. Dang, that's a question I have to think about. I don't know. There's just so many different things that it could be. Mm -hmm. That like, could I, be a 13 show we do sometime. Oh, our favorite weapon. Hey, maybe that's the way to take this. We'll have yeah, some time to think about it. Yeah. Who is this lovely person who asked this question? Uh, Christian Calero. Christian Calero? Mm -hmm. You've inspired the next 13 thing. Uh, he had a few good that. questions. Uh, if you could create a horror film based on politics, what would it be? <laughs> Oh my goodness! It's too. That's too easy. It's too I think easy. Just just watch the news, and it's a horror movie. I think you know what I think would be a funny movie would be one that makes that whole theory of like Hollywood elites and Democrats like that they are really like eating babies and children through pizza basements and yeah and taking the rise of Moloch and. And like lizard people bullshit. I think that would be an amazing horror movie. There is a um I had the director on it's a movie called Pizza Gate and it goes into some of that, yeah. which is, it was it was good. I would recommend that movie. It's good. Yeah. That but would like, be for me. I think that it to make it seem as totally I know that there is like there are people out there who do terrible I work in mental health. There are people out there who do really, really terrible horrible things. That's the problem with all this stupid stuff though, because then like it takes focus off something real and then you think Yeah. I mean so either people are worrying about chasing these like uh goblins and just, you know, nonsense or other people will just the normal people will just think, oh, I'm not even buying anything that these people say because they're believing all this stupidity. So it, it's not doing I, – I have someone, I won't say their name, who's always talked about everything's a distraction, distraction. And he tags me in all this stupid shit. And I was like, I told them, like, well, first of all, I said, don't tag me in this stuff anymore. I don't want to be tagging this. And I was like, you're the one who's, who, who's the most guilty of all this distraction because you're just believing all this stupidity instead of, like, worrying about something that's real. I mean, isn't the shit he's talking about the distraction? Exactly, that's what I'm saying. He's yeah. the guilt. He's the guilty one. Uh, you know, yeah. you know, Tom Hanks and and Whoopi oh. Goldberg and Moloch and all. That's I never heard of Moloch until the last couple of years, yeah. and now I freaking see it everywhere. Yep. Yep. That's that's uh, in my opinion. You know, I'm not the I'm not God. I don't have access to all the information in the world, but. I have real life experience with people who have had real life terrible things happen. Child trafficking is a real thing. There's all kinds of really, really bad stuff that does happen out there for sure. But this 
it's just bogus. I'm not saying there's no celebrities anywhere that don't. There are the people that do things wrong. Right. 100%. right. But to have it. There's legit people like. Blood drinking. Who, I'm sorry. I'm talking. Yeah. There's people who seriously believe everyone who makes movies or in movies all like uh, drink blood of kids and all this. I mean, they, I, I've. This isn't me just pretending like uh, I see them. And they tag me in stupid shit. And it's people that were fairly normal several years ago. And now I don't know what's happened. But... So they could be in the movie. <laughs> there we go. Yeah. Uh, Craig Lindbergh. Hello, hello. Creepy Craig, who uh, hasn't been on the show for a while. But Creepy Craig Lindbergh, uh, horror makeup artist out of oh uh, New York. Very cool guy. Very cool. He works on Saturday Night Live, but also does a lot of horror stuff. I met him at Buffalo Dream Fantastic Film Festival, so if we make it there, maybe Craig will come out. When does that happen? That's... I'm not positive, honestly. Um, yeah, we got to look at our, our yeah. upcoming dates. Try yeah, to sort know. it out and figure out what's what's hap what's happening. What's your favorite yeah. Audible? Mine is Star Wars Death Troopers and Night of the Living Trekkies. I have not a clue. I don't. I don't know. Audible sounds really familiar, but I don't know either. I know what Star Wars is. I know what Death Troopers are. I know what Trekkies are. And I know what Night of the Living Dead is. So I feel like I am. I'm definitely ignorant over here, not knowing what any of that is. And I am sorry. I am sorry to be a disappointment. But Neil's also disappointed because I know he doesn't know what it is either. We're both disappointments together. Neil, I, just, I was just uh, looking. I just started a new uh, I on Audible, which I use it for audiobooks. But I just started uh, No Country for Old Men, nice, um, by Cormac McCarthy because he just uh, passed away unfortunately. Oh, so I had never. Uh, the only book of his I had read before was uh, The Road, which is fantastic. Yeah. Very, very, very dark. The movie was very good too, but um, oh, it's the one with the guy and there's a kid. Yeah. Oh, that was a really good movie. Yeah, movie's great. The book, yeah. you know, book is uh darker. There's some stuff I I uh because I saw the movie first and I read the book, and then I listened to a commentary track and they said why they didn't do certain things they didn't think it would work in a movie version because there's a lot very very dark stuff that's in the book. Yeah. That they decided not to use. So. It was a great movie. But yeah, the movie's great. It was very dark. It was, it was tough, but yeah. it was it was a good watch. Not not all movies are happy. Um, okay. yes, it was the last one. Uh, what? This is probably one we could do too. Either thirteen or something we should oh. think about. Who's on our Mount Rushmore of horror movie characters? Oh man. Oh, see that's that a tough one because I'm just thinking Universal Monsters right, right off the bat. But well, I don't. Th for me, I I would definitely want to pick classics who like laid the found like it's the founding fathers, right? Who are right. the founding fathers of horror? I wouldn't pick favorite characters. I still think Frankenstein would have to be there. I would probably put Boris Karloff there though. So yeah, if you're talking actors, not. Because he said characters, so okay. actors. Though, if you meant actors, yeah, Boris Karloff for sure. I would say, um, for me, I guess, yeah, I interpreting it in my and way. Vincent Price, like 
it would be the creators, so the actors. But if his question is specifically about characters, if you did do the actors, though, Vincent Price and Karloff for two that I'd uh, yeah. put on. I mean, I feel like it's like that four of uh, Christopher Lee, Peter Cushing, Karloff, and Bryce. And, Bryce. and you, people argue about Lagosis. Yeah, how many things was he in that were actually entertaining? That's true. It's Dracula is really the main one. Yeah. Um, but the other guys were in like endless great horror films. Just so, so many. They're prolific and amazing horror films. Oh, Lon Chaney. Um, oh, wow, well, Lon Chaney Senior. That's yeah. That's a good one, Craig. That's the. Uh, that's that is true. I I probably I think I'd have to move him on there. Yeah, because he's, he's groundbreaking like, in different ways. Yeah, and even yeah. before the other guys. So yeah. 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 Interesting. Uh, but for that's characters, I don't know. I wouldn't. I wouldn't do the Universal monster movies myself. They're great and everything, and I know they were the beginning and they they set the tone. But yeah, I'd have to put Frankenstein. Frankenstein's great. Maybe but, Nosferatu. Uh, I wouldn't know who Vin, what Vincent Price character I pick because like my favorite's Doctor Fides, but I don't I wouldn't put him on like the Mount Rushmore mm -hmm. horror characters. Mm -hmm. I would put Frankenstein and um. What would be his? Oh, guy. Hmm. Fibes is definitely recognizable. Like, if you wanted someone who is actually recognizable, Fibes, um, when he's in, oh, shit, what's the movie? Where he's got the black and white face. Ugh. I can't remember. Diary of a Madman? Oh, for, for Lon Chaney? Yeah. No, for Vincent Price. Oh. Um. Like Shrek, yeah, um, maybe yeah. Phantom of the Opera. Lon Chaney's yeah. Phantom of the Opera. Hmm, that's a good question. It is a good question. That's another like, I think too deeply about these things, as opposed to just being like boom, 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 which I really is what I should just. So I, my three, I three, it'll be Lon Chaney Jr. Phantom of the Opera, Boris Karloff, Frankenstein, uh, Max Shrek uh, from Nosferatu, but I don't know what my fourth one would be. Yeah, those pole films are so fun, Craig. There's one that's really goofy. I can't remember the name of it off the top of my head, but he and Boris Karloff are wizards, and they have this epic laser Black battle cat. at the end of the movie. What's that? Black Cat. It's It has... I don't know. It's got um, Peter Laurie as like a man who is transformed into a crow, and then he's transformed back. Yeah, Lori, yeah. And uh, he's got his own head. It's just fucking ridiculous. Yeah, Peter Lori. Lori. Lori did some of, some of those old um, audio uh, dramas, too. He's a great yeah. voice for that. Yeah. Hmm. Well, that's mm -hmm. a good question, though. And I think we should get Troy on here for that, too. That'd be fun. Yeah. So we'll try to remember this, which we won't, but... We will try. Well, you know, Basil Rathbone. He oh, was, a, that's he was a good obviously one. Sherlock Holmes. I'm trying to think of all the other horror stuff he was in. He was in one of the Roger Corman. Um, he was great in. Oh, I'm so bad with these names. It was Peter Lor with Vincent Price and Basil Rathbone was a victim. And he was phenomenally funny. It was a very, very funny movie. 
man. Yeah, I'm stalled out. My brain's not not coming up with too much. All right. Well, yeah. I think. Well, thanks for the questions. We'll try to do that every week. Maybe people start sending. Maybe some we need. Questions. Maybe some of us need a little advanced uh, prep for. Yeah, answers. yeah. Well, I mean, I, I I didn't prepare for me either. I just saw these send me. But uh, let's see. Yeah, maybe I'll put them up earlier in the week instead of the day before we're doing the show. Maybe you'll tell uh, me about them earlier in the week. Jeremy, by the way, Jeremy <laughs> Holmes said that uh, that he really appreciates uh, the questions and helping get the word out for Brooklyn 45. Oh, very nice. Vincent was good in that movie. He's great in every movie. I don't think there's a movie I'd see with Vincent Price to be like, he blew in that. Yeah, like, I've yeah, never yeah. seen any. He's old. I mean, this stuff's awesome. Yes. That's the thing is there's very few guys today that'll have a big role, but there's very few guys that have multiple iconic roles. Mm. Um, even Robert England, even though he's got some people, yeah. um, but it's really, you know, Freddie, but there's, yeah. a, you know, it's, it's just. I think that is tough. Like you have a lot of people that come to conventions and they really are known for one character. Yeah. I think, I think Bill Mosley's got two, Chop Top and yeah. uh, Otis. Yes. It's not really too many, honestly. Whereas, like, I mean, it's a different world because it's big Hollywood, but, like, yeah. uh, a person like um, the John Wick guy, Keanu Reeves, he's a big deal, but and he's in, like, a billion movies. And even the movies that are kind of the same, it's just... It's not like he's only in the Matrix and John Wick for eternity. Right, right. And I just, I don't know. I don't know why there isn't more cross pollination of people in horror. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I'm too. I'm too tired. My brain, like I was saying, my brain is really rotted by this point. I was already a mess when I came on, and no problem. Sending into nonsense. So I wrote down the movies that. Uh... That Larry recommended The Mist, nice. which I think we all know. The Mist? Yeah. The oh, Mist. yeah. I'm a big fan. Yeah. Uh, Angst, which I'm not familiar with. Angst, that's what it was. And Man Bites Dog, which I don't think I've, I've seen. I've heard that. of that. I don't yeah, know I have to. it. So go check all these out. I like that he told us completely different movies that he told Jeremy. Maybe like he yeah. thinks about the person and these are the movies they should watch. I like this. Perhaps, perhaps. Angst movie. Hmm. Horror thriller from 1983 follows a serial killer who is released from prison after a 10-year incarceration. What takes place is shocking and original filmmaking. Damn, interesting. Because on IMDb, for a horror movie, this is not bad. It's a 7.2 out of 10. No, it's really good. Who's in it? Who's Who plays the main guy? Uh, this must be from... Uh, I, th I think he mentioned this might be from another country because the names are very oh, okay. French or um, European sounding. Right. It, but it has, come on now, from Austria. Language is oh, German. Okay. So the stars are people we don't know, but they are Erwin Leder, Robert Hungerbuller, and... Sylvia Ryder, if I'm pronouncing that correctly. Mm -hmm. Gerald Cargill is the director cool. and one of the writers. Mm -hmm. Oh, it looks beautiful. Well, I'm looking at the Oh, I am already liking just a little bit I'm seeing. It looks really crazy. All right, yeah. I'm into this. So, uh, he's this man is a creep. This is great. All right, I'm sold. Angst. 
So next week here, we'll be joined by Jamie Hill. Yeah. That'll be very cool. I will have to make that. I'm going to have to just tell the world to just deal. Yes. And uh, then the week after, we'll be joined by um, the filmmakers of Death Metal. which That'll be very fun. Mm -hmm. Um, We'll also be having an interview with Music of the Month, Timothy Fife. Cool. And is he Maestro Fabio Fritzi. Nice. Is Tim going to be able to be live or is his. Uh, no, I think we're going to have to record those. But he's a, we'll uh, I th- the idea, I think, we'll, uh, Fabio will have to record too. He's actually currently working on something, but he's going to make the time for us. So we'll figure that oh, out. That's cool. I think we record them both and put them together as their own show. That'd, That'd be cool. beautiful. Yeah. I think that would be very cool. And then uh, next month, I know it's a little early yet uh, to say because that's July, but next month we will have uh, the cast. Of Black Mold on the show. Oh, which is very cool. I really like the movie. Uh, Jill, uh, Jill is uh, the producer. Jill, oh, shit. yeah, cool. Very cool, nice. Who was in the chat earlier? It was very nice. Yeah, I saw that. That was, yeah. that was great. All right, so uh, we're gonna play out the show here. <laughs> They're already saying goodnight to us. We didn't even say goodnight. They're like, fuck this. Well, I think uh, probably when I mention <laughs> who's on next week, they probably get Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice uh, to have you all here. Thank you so much yeah. for watching and sticking with it. It's been it's been nice. Yeah, I'm glad you can make the scene. Yeah, it was nice to watch you guys. So I got sucked in eventually, but it was yeah. good to watch you all chat earlier with Jeremy, and then yeah, the whole thing has been really good. And um, if you haven't, uh, you or anyone listening, check out the Ted uh, interview, Ted Gagan interview. Um, the director, the writer and director is very interesting. So he wrote the movie and um, his father is a veteran mm-hmm. who I believe he said was quadriplegic. And um, wow. he gave a lot of advice on the on the script from someone who was in the military in war and that helped form um, the characters, which I thought wow. was uh, really interesting. Wow. It's a very personal film. And then he yeah. sadly passed away before the movie came out. That's unfortunate. It's really interesting. Hmm. So Timothy Fife is going to play us out and we'll be yeah. back next week. Bye. Bye.